get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. It's 7.01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson uh, Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, character and smaller. Hi, Michelle. Hey, Randy. Kind of a bummer morning. Kind of. I'll say. <laughs> well, hey, let's let's start with this because... Sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Everything that's wonderful is what I feel when we're together. Jordan Biddington was awesome last night. He was unbelievable. Believable last night. 46 saves on 49 shots. Did you say 46 saves? 46. Oh, he had to make 46 saves? He, un- he had to make a lot of saves last night. He was ra- <laughs> unbelievable, Randy. He was Sports Center top 10 highlight Jordan Bennington. Playoff Jordan Bennington was activated. 41 of 43 from even strength. I wish the rest of the team would have had playoff team be activated because, uh, wow, it, it was. He, he could have used some help, Jordan Bennington. We'll put the, it that way. The Blues were outshot 50-23 to 23 and lost to the game to the Colorado Avalanche. Game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs, 4-1. to one. And it was actually, well, it wasn't good for a couple of periods, but it was at least competitive for two periods. The Blues fell behind early because they took a penalty early on, and that cost them. Here's McCarr in shot score. Power play goal for Colorado. They lead 1-0. Kale McCarr, 4.45 to go in the first. McCarr from Randon with Ryan O'Reilly in the box for tripping. Nothing Ryan O'Reilly could have done about the call. And it was 1-0 after a period. And you're thinking, okay, well, Blues have a chance to come back. And lo and behold, they were kept in the game by their goalie. Clearing attempt to Barbashev. Blocked and now the Avs get it back in. Two on the goalie. Ranton it in front. What a Whoa. save by Bennington. Barbashev checks Rantanen. Rantanen again in front. Leaves it there. Here's Timmons with a shot. Bennington the save. Colorado recovers the puck again. That is not a hook. A good stick check by Blay. Unless he got the gloves. It didn't look to me like he did. Boy, Kirk, what a save. What a save. He was unbelievable. Bennington sliding across and getting uh, the pad on the on the puck. It was one of those things that you had to watch over and over mm-hmm. and over again because you can't believe that he made that save. So the Blues are down one nothing late in the period, and uh, their rookie, Jordan Cairo, comes through. Puck going in. Far corner. Rolled down low. Nicola to Bortuzzo. Bortuzzo trying to find a seam, and uh, Donskoy does a great job to get in and knock it loose, and then it's kicked away. Terrific play by Thomas, who skates it up the right wing. Creates a 3-on-2. Barbashev to Cairo, they score! 
Jordan Cairo picks up his first career playoff goal. And the Blues have tied the game 1-1. to 3.29 to play, second period. And before the period was out, Jordan Biddington, Biddington again preserved the Blues' bacon. Krug's pass along the blue line to Flexback. And it's brought in by the Avs. They shoot and kept out somehow by Jordan Biddington. He denies Jost. And then with the rebound coming in, Bennington managed to keep it out again. He's been unbelievable here in game one. So, Michelle, we're after two. We're tied 1-1. The Blues have been outshot 32-16. But I'm thinking, okay, with as great as Bennington is playing, the Blues at some point have to find their game and start keeping the puck in the offensive zone, right? At, right. After two, I was feeling pretty good because the Blues had opportunities, too, especially in the second. Hoffman with that wraparound chance. Even though Colorado was certainly putting it on and you knew that the third period was going to be tough, I felt great about the Blues' chances heading into the third period, but that lasted a few seconds. Yeah, it didn't take long <laughs> for Colorado to burst our bubble. The Colorado Avalanche will get there to bring it out, and Rantanen goes up the far wing. Scandella kind of lunges at him and missed him. Into the corner, it goes behind the net to Rantanen. Quick feed in front, they score. 30 seconds in, 2-1 to one Colorado. Somebody forgot Nathan McKinnon was floating out there. Yeah, I don't know how you forget that. And you have a couple of goals where you have McKinnon alone in the slot on the McCarr goal. Landeskog is standing right in front of the goalie, Jordan Biddington. Landeskog scored a later goal with traffic in front. McKinnon with an empty netter. Eight points for that top line of McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen. And 4-1 was the final. And, Michelle, to me, there were two big issues here. The biggest one being that the Blues couldn't maintain possession in the offensive zone. Tyler Bozak asked about that after the game. Yeah, that's probably the best defense uh, you can you can play against them is, you know, not letting them have the puck. And, you know, I thought we had some shifts there where we were working in the offensive zone and created a lot of opportunities. Um, yeah, um, just got to be better on the forecheck, um, get pucks behind them. Like I said, they have really good gaps, good back pressure. So we got to work together to get those pucks uh, when we dump them in and, um, you know, play a, play a heavy game down low. And maybe if the Blues get David Perron back, they'll be a little more effective at that. But I'm, I, I wonder if the Blues are playing their A game the way that Colorado is presently constituted, if the Blues can even hang with those guys because they're missing a lot of the elements that they had a couple of years ago, especially that fourth line with Sundquist, mm-hmm. Steen, Barbashev, that was such an engine for the Blues. Not having that sort of energy and that sort of impact from the fourth line causes the Blues a lot of problems, and it does make life easier for the opposition. It does. And that top line of Colorado is just so incredibly lethal. We we knew that yep. after seeing them so many times this year. But playoff hockey is a different animal. And while Jordan Bennington certainly stepped his game up, that top line, man, it just felt like every time they were on the ice, you you had no chance. They were just coming after the Blues wave, wave after wave. Yep. Right. <laughs> and in addition to the fact that they did get pressure, and they did go, as Panger said, all night long. Uh, the Avalanche had their skates in the blue paint. The Blues couldn't even maintain enough possession in the offensive zone to get people to the blue paint. Whenever they had possession, if you looked in front of Grubauer, there was nobody there mm-hmm. for the Blues. And, and my problem is with, and I think it's a Blues problem, with the Avalanche being as fast and tenacious as they are, how are the Blues going to maintain possession in the offensive zone, let alone getting traffic in front? I don't know. 
against that team and against that speed, how the Blues are going to be able to keep the puck in the offensive zone. And like Tyler Bozak said, that's the best way to defend them is to not allow them to shoot the puck 50 times on your goalie. Yeah, don't put Jordan Bennington in that position. Yeah. Uh, so, Randy, are you on the panic bus? Not on the panic bus yet, Michelle, because it takes four to get there. But Well, I, I would think be... after four, you're already on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you are. You, you've been on the but, bus if you're if you're. But here's the thing. A series never starts until somebody wins a road game. And so I, I'm not worried, but I am realistic in what I say, in that I don't think the Blues can hang with Colorado. I, I, I get panicked when I think there's when my team is better or as good as. I just don't think the Blues are as good as Colorado. I don't know if anybody is. They're unbelievable. No. They are so talented. Yeah. Yeah, it was, that was a tough pill to swallow last night. And yes, David Perron is out, and he's going to come back and hopefully provide some production on the ice and a spark to the team. But the Blues played, a, I thought the start was great. You, mm-hmm. you were pumped with the way that they played in the first period. Then you have the equalizer in the second, but it just felt like it was um, it was a carriage that was going to turn into a pumpkin. At some point, you felt like it was going to expire, and it did in the third period. And when you think about the old adage that Doug Armstrong uses all the time, and it's a proper hockey adage that your best players need to be your best players, Unfortunately, offensively, the Blues just weren't able to get that last night. When you look at what their their nominal best players were supposed to be, Braden Shen played very well, uh, but he, he couldn't get on the board. But the 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 hits, the the fight, the yeah. energy that he brought, that was exactly what you would expect from him. Yeah, I J- love that hit on yeah. Ranton and early. Fantastic. Uh, Jaden Schwartz, we were talking yesterday about an X factor. He has three shots on goal. Can't get anything past Grubauer. Robert Thomas had one shot on goal. That was his only shot attempt of the night. Uh, you look at uh, Colton Pareko, the Blues big shot from the point. Zero shots on goal. Mike Hoffman did have seven attempts. Three shots on goal and four attempts at miss. Ryan O'Reilly, no shots on goal. And, or two shots on goal and no other attempts. And then Tarasenko, one shot attempt and obviously hit a post and uh, then another shot on goal. But you only had 23 shots on goal and your quote-unquote best players didn't carry the day. No. You mentioned a Hoffman. I, I mentioned that wraparound chance he yeah. had in the second. I wonder how that would have changed the dynamics of the game. It would have changed things dramatically. And what a play by Ryan Graves yes. to keep the puck out of that. It was so. unbelievable. But right after that, uh, in the second, Jost had a breakaway. I mean, Colorado had other chances that they weren't able to capitalize on as well. The Blues will uh, play tomorrow night, game two of the series, and we will have it for you here on 101 ESPN. Pre-game at 8.30, face-off at 9.30, so it'll be even a later night for all of us with the Blues in Colorado. The Cardinals will start a brief... I don't know why I say that. Cardinals will start a two-game series with Pittsburgh tonight. Every two-game series is brief. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of redundant, okay? Uh, JT Brubaker for Pittsburgh. John Gant for the Cardinals, 645. Get a visor if you're going to the game tonight. And as the Cardinals start this homestand, they'll have increased capacity, so that's a good thing. And last night, you go ahead. Are you a visor guy? Uh, not really. I have a visor. Uh, I wear it. At, it's a Mizzou visor. I wear it as an homage to Gary Pinkle now and then. I was just going to say, I don't know how you pull off the visor look without looking like an SEC coach. That's the only people that can do it. Yeah, John Gruden and SEC coaches. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> and drink. 
plays the visor game. That's right. right? You, you look. So many guys I see walking around wearing the visor look like they're getting ready to coach special teams for Ole Miss. <laughs> exactly. And Albert Pujols signed with and made his debut with the Dodgers last night, hit fourth. His second at-bat had an RBI hit. Dodgers won their game, and Albert looked like he fit right in in really? L.A. It kind of looked weird with the blue. I was going to say. But in terms of celebrating, knowing all of their little celebrations, in terms of getting an RBI hit, that part of it, he just looked like Albert, a 41-year-old Albert, but Albert nonetheless. You think they send that in a welcome packet? Here's how we celebrate. Get ready. Oh, yeah, definitely. And they've got their dunk where he's hitting the top of his head. Absolutely. No doubt about it. He looks so weird in that uniform. Yeah, it's different to see him in blue. Yes. So, and the Cardinals will get a chance to see him in just a couple of weeks. Later on in this show, we're going to talk to the former Dodgers GM who does their pre- and post-game on TV now, Ned Coletti. And Mike Claiborne talks to us as well. But next up, we want your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 because we're going to play a little game of What's Better with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Character and Smallman, 101 ESPN. Michelle, Randy, Emily, and we want your text for what's better. 65780 is their comfort service text line. Michelle, I'll start. What's better, Albert in red or Albert in blue? Albert in red. I'll never get used to him in that color. We're watching uh, coverage of his press conference yesterday on MLB Network, and he's wearing the Dodger cap and has the, the blue shirt on. I'm with you. He looks better in red. It's just weird to see the L.A. on his hat, too. And we are, by the way, we, we meant to the get Dodgers. to this yesterday, but there was a lot going on yesterday. And since now he has officially signed with the Dodgers, we want to know what you think. Should the Cardinals have been more aggressive with their pursuit of Albert, especially now that he has an RBI hit for the Doyers? So we're going to talk about that at 8.50. But right now we're going to play a little game of what's better on 101 ESPN. Emily, what do you got? From the 314, what's better? Freshly cleaned car or freshly cleaned bedroom? A bedroom. Same for me. Yeah, it's nothing wrong with a freshly cleaned car. It's nice. It smells wonderful. But then you have a day like this. Also, there's few things in life more satisfying than getting into your bed with fresh sheets. Absolutely. Or they're crisp and you just settle in and you go to bed. Everybody has that friend, though. When you get into the car, it takes five minutes for them to move everything off the passenger seat uh-huh. into the back seat. It's just a catch-all for everything they ever own. Right. Um, which I'm not like that. So I do like a fresh, a freshly cleaned car. I like getting into a car, especially a car that has that new car scent. Yeah. That's always nice, too. For me, it's never more than a minute to clean off the passenger seat. It never takes five. No, I don't even have anything <laughs> on my passenger seat. That's good. Good for you. From the 636, what's better, Bennington sprinting down the ice to fight or the huge hit at the end of the game at the buzzer? Well, since Bennington wasn't able to accomplish anything and he didn't really bother the avalanche, I would say the the hit at the end of the game. But that doesn't accomplish anything. That's just out of frustration. I'm going to say Bennington going to fight just because I love that intensity from him. And Mm -hmm. the Blues need that. Yeah. So he needs to probably start fighting his own guys. Oh, man. From the 314, what's better, Bennington's attitude or Bennington's saves? I'm going to go with the saves. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you can have a, a tough attitude all you want, and if it doesn't translate out on the ice, it's for nothing. Yeah, I could go out there and uh, have the attitude, but I'm not saving anything. Do you think he walked into the dressing room after the game and was like, guys, come yeah. on. 
help me out. I, I would hope so. Some, I would hope somebody said something. But again, they might not realize it because they're prideful champions. They yes. won a lot of these guys won two years ago. But if they watch that game on TV from an objective point of view, I think they see the same thing we do. But they just aren't as good right now. They they'll have to play an A game, and the Avalanche will have to play a B minus or C game for the Blues to win. A lot of things that have to happen. Yep. From the five seven three, what's better, Cronkies Rams losing or Cronkies Avalanche losing? At the moment, I would say Cronkies Avalanche losing right now. But in general, if you ask me. In the summertime, if you ask me on August 4th what I like better, I like his Rams losing. If you told me that the Avs were going to win the Stanley Cup or the Rams were going to win the Super Bowl, I I wouldn't be upset if the Avs won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, do I want them to win? No. Would it ruin my day? Also, no. If the Rams won the Super Bowl, we would be pretty bummed yeah, out. Yeah, good point. And, oh, by the way, Kroenke claims that he got sick from drinking out of the Stanley Cup in 2001. So hopefully we can have a similar occurrence this year. If he cares, (laughs) if he even knows his team is in the playoffs. Probably not. From the 314, what's better, a visor or an entire hat? Hat. (laughs) Um, I guess it depends on where you live. Yeah, SEC country, it might be a visor, right? That's right. right. If you're in the South, a visor is the play. Kirby Smart, Mm -hmm. Dan Mullen. Lane Kiffin used to rock a visor. Yeah, I I think he still does. Yeah. Now, Nick Saban's not a visor guy. He's a straw hat guy, if I remember correctly, right? right? Yeah, and when he's on the sidelines, he doesn't wear a cap. He's just got the headset on. Yeah. But I think Gus Malzahn, when he was at Auburn, was a visor guy. Drink. You're right about the SEC thing. You can't wear a visor in New York City. The old ball coach? You're not, yeah. Old ball coach, definitely. You're not. You're not going to be walking no. around Boston wearing a visor. No, it's not a Northeast deal. It's strictly SEC country. Right. They own the visor. Yeah, which is good for them. But what's the point of a visor? You just want to let the top of your head keep breathe. the sun out of your eyes. Yeah. Right. But but why? Who was like, you know what? Oh, so let's the, make this a convertible deal. Let's take the top off. For the most part, let that hair breathe. Yeah, it's because those guys have glorious hair. At some point in their life, they may have. But it's smushed under a visor. But at least people can see the top of it. But then it kind of looks like a fluffy dog over the top of the visor. No one's hair looks great under a visor. Yeah, but they want you to think they have glorious hair. They just want you to know they're not balding? Right. That's a big thing. Now, here's a question for you. If Missouri were still in the Big 12 rather than the SEC, would the Cardinals be having a visor night tonight and tomorrow? Definitely not. No, I'm with you. Full hat night. Yep. From the 314, what's better, Emo's pizza or pasta house salad? Ooh, I love a pasta house salad. I do too, and I love Emo's pizza, but if you give me that choice, it's pasta house salad. It's sensational. It's so good. Yeah, they do a great job with that. My mom makes a pasta house salad replica, Uh and it is amazing. When I was in college, pasta house used to have a Monday night all you could eat. Oh. Oh, and it was great. Me, Me and a buddy would go every single Monday night. And just load up on pasta and pasta salad. It was great. great. Those were the days. Great Ravs there, too. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. From the 314, what's better, tennis on clay courts or tennis on grass? I have to go with clay. I'm, a, I'm Team Rafa, so clay okay. it is. I, the one tournament that I tur- tune into for at least a time every single year is Wimbledon. So I'm going to go grass. Simply because of Wimbledon being a grass court surface. From the 314, what's better, David Freeze's moment or Pat Maroon's moment? Oh, man. 
that's like picking between your kids. How do you choose between those two? They were tied for first. Yeah, it's pretty incredible when you think about a hometown hero, both growing up in the area and both being so sports heroic Mm -hmm. in their hometown, playing for their hometown team. And you can make the argument either way. David Freezes was in the World Series and he did it twice in one game. Mm -hmm. Um, So the, the stakes are higher. But with Pat Maroon, double overtime to go on to the next round, and the Blues had never won the Cup before. So either way, the stakes are incredibly high. I just think with – I think I'm going to go with David Freeze only because you have the call from Joe Buck that Mm -hmm. was so perfect. It it just – I don't know, but but now I'm going to talk myself out of it. Well – Because the Pat Maroon was unbelievable. I I take Maroon, and I know this is really nuanced – but if the other team scores when Maroon is playing, the Blues are done. Yeah. If the other team scores when the Cardinals are playing, you still have the bottom of the inning again. If Freeze doesn't do it, the Cardinals, and he was leading off, but they would still have, have had more opportunities, as the Cardinals showed with their ninth and 10th innings. So for that reason, because it was more about the opposition than the, the player, But because of that, I'm going to go with the Maroon goal. All right. This person woke up and chose chaos this morning. I like this. From the 314, what's better, Jordan or LeBron? Well, Jordan. This is easy radio. Yeah. I don't even think that's chaos. It's Michael Jordan. Yeah, it's Michael Jordan. You didn't didn't see Michael Jordan losing finals. Did we see the last dance? We did. He was pretty good. And he willed his team to victory. Might not have done it in the nicest way, but he willed his team to victory. Is the way that you're always going to settle that debate the amount of championships? Not the amount necessarily, but the fact that Michael was 6-0 and and was the MVP for all six of those teams and was able to do it, not with a lesser cast, but didn't have to go out and surround himself with others. Now, all credit to LeBron for taking the Cavs to the 2010 Finals. That's incredible. A team that didn't shouldn't have been there and winning against perhaps the greatest regular season team of all time. Right. Against Golden State. All credit to him. Whenever you say Michael was the best, it's not to disparage LeBron. No, Le- LeBron is great. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> but from what I saw, I just saw more from Michael Jordan. He was heck, he was a what, nine-time all-defensive selection? He, he was awesome. And I always think a lot of times when you grow up watching someone, you have a certain mm-hmm. nostalgia factor for them, and that's the way I feel yeah. about Michael Jordan. And that's taking, again, nothing away from LeBron, who's done it in multiple places, who did it with a, a lesser cast before. And I, I look at when he won with the Lakers in the bubble. That was a really yep. difficult thing to do. And, and he has social media and all of these other mm-hmm. pressures that surround him. I know Jordan did too. We saw it in the last dance. He couldn't step foot out of his hotel room. But I think it's so different now when you have the media on you 24-7. LeBron can't go anywhere or do anything without every word that he says being a headline. I fully expect that LeBron is going to be healthy and they're, go- they're going to win a championship this year. At the very least, I expect them to be in the Western Conference Finals with LeBron. With Michael, every year I expected them, every year, even when he came back from baseball, I expected them to win the championship. And most times they did. 
Michael Jordan would tell his opponents who were the best in the world exactly what he was going to do to them, and they still couldn't stop him. Right, right. <laughs> All right, we got another MJ1 from the 573. What's better, Michael Jordan or Muhammad Ali? I, I, I think Michael culturally, and that's the only comparison you can make, I think Michael Jordan in their different ways they both made huge impacts culturally but Michael's impact has been more sustained with the the Jumpman brand oh, yeah. and with the people the fact that guys are still wearing the long shorts and the the shoes and he, he's still around his last game was 2001 here he is 20 years later still doing commercials and still a mega star and still standing up there at the Hall of Fame Introducing guys, and unfortunately, Ali lost the ability to talk mm-hmm. soon after he was done boxing. And I don't think a lot of people, until he died, really understood what he did in terms of going to jail and mm-hmm. missing, uh, uh, skipping out on on the war. So I would say culturally, Michael has made a greater impact. Yeah, both were standard setters in a lot of ways, but maybe it's because of the prominence of the NBA. And the way that we look at Michael Jordan mm-hmm. and everything that he accomplished and how everyone is still chasing him as opposed to boxing, which doesn't get as much national coverage anymore as right. as the NBA does, obviously. But I would go with Michael Jordan, too. And both, by the way, and what is more impressive about Ali, both global icons for mm-hmm. Muhammad, Muhammad Ali to be a global icon in the late 60s and early 70s yes. to think of where media was is pretty remarkable. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And thank you very much for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Coming up, the Cardinals have the Pirates and the Cubs come to town. How important is it for the Redbirds to beat up on those two and extend their division lead again? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Later in the show, your chance to win a four-pack of tickets to tomorrow night's Budweiser Bash for the Cardinals and the Pirates. Tomorrow's Budweiser Bash features an exclusive Ken Reitz bobblehead with a portion of each ticket supporting the Ken Reitz Foundation. You'll be able to win this ticket. Get all the details for tomorrow night's game at the Budweiser Bash now at cardinals.com slash promotions. But Michelle, coming up later on at, oh, about um, 8.55 or so, we're going to give away some tickets. Are we going to do the same formula as yesterday? Yes, we are. So you're going to want to listen the entire show because we're giving away tickets a couple times. We're going to give a code word out. You're going to text in the code word. If you're lucky enough to be selected by Emily, the second prong of this is that you're going to have to come on the show and tell us a dad joke. And the dad joke will be at about 8.55. So stick around for the code word here with Carriker and Smallman. Michelle, as the Cardinals start this homestand, Pittsburgh is in town. They're 17 and 23. They're just not a very good team. They go with Brubaker tonight against John Gant. And then tomorrow night in the second game of the series, it's Trevor Cahill against Jack Flaherty. Then the Cubs are in town. And the Cubs, all due respect, 20 and 20 are just not at the Cardinals' level this year because of their starting pitching. And we don't know who's going to start for the Cardinals on Friday night. But I look at this, especially on the heels of getting swept by San Diego, I look at this as a really good opportunity for the Cardinals to give themselves some distance between 
themselves and especially the Brewers in the division. Brewers still two games back, but the Cardinals have to take care of business and they have to beat up on the opposition, which is very beatable this week. Yeah, this is uh, hopefully a good reset week for the Cardinals in a couple ways. As you mentioned, the opposition that lies before them, two beatable series and and, uh, division teams that you should be able to take but also heading into the weekend the Cardinals just finished a really long stretch of games I think they had 23 games in 24 days prior to the weekend so they had yesterday off they're going to get Thursday off so in addition to having opponents that you should be able to handle they're going to get a little bit of rest which I think could be really helpful for them especially with the injuries that they've had because since he came back, Harrison Bader has much of, had much of an opportunity to get days off, and he's a key component. You'll have a little bit more time to try to get Paul DeYoung healthy. But the most important thing is Michaelis, getting him back mm-hmm. on schedule, and he threw 80 pitches Sunday for Memphis. He should, I would think, pitch Friday. And then a little bit more time also for Carlos Martinez to get that ankle healthy. And I asked you earlier, and uh, rather than do it in the next segment, I will ask you now, Take it or leave it. Tonight is John Gant's last start of the year for the Cardinals. I'm going to take it with Michaelis coming back. Martinez, I think this might be the last time we see John Gant in the rotation. Which is certainly not an affront to him because he's been great. He's still got the terrific ERA. But with the loss of Jordan Hicks, the Cardinals need another guy at the back end of the bullpen. When you, when you have to pitch guys like Seth Elledge and Jake Woodford out of the, out of the bullpen... You're in trouble. You can have one of those guys where you're trailing five to one in the third inning, but you can't have two guys where you are pitching them in leverage situations where they are prepared to pitch in those situations. And that's where you are with those two guys right now. I'm really looking forward to Miles Michaelis returning for a lot of reasons, but mostly because he throws strikes and the Cardinals mm-hmm. really need to to stop this trend and its track of these walks. They lead the league in walks. And that's one thing against especially the Cubs that you have to be wary of because the Cubs, they like taking pitches. That the way That's the way that team is built. They're built on OPS and on base percentage is a big part of OPS. And they like to make you work. And when you're a pitcher that makes it to the major league level in general, you make it to the major league level because of your physical abilities to throw strikes. Mm -hmm. When you aren't throwing strikes, and this applies to everybody from Alex Reyes to Adam Wainwright, it's a mental thing. When you aren't able to throw strikes, it's between your ears. And that's something that the Cardinals have to focus on. And I don't know if this is something as simple as Adam Wainwright making a bet and having a game with the guys so that they throw more strikes. But at some point, they're going to have to do that because that devastated them over the weekend. All three losses, all three losses, and one of them was really bad to San Diego, were preventable because of the walks. If they don't walk double-digit guys every night, then they have a chance. Yeah, it was brutal to watch. It's not a winning formula. And you'd think that they would be throwing fastball in all the time, knowing the defense that they have behind them. I I would just think that the pitchers would feel more comfortable knowing that they have such a sound defense behind them. And some nights, you're just not going to have it. But this is all the guys. And, Michelle, when you look at their number of walks, uh, and everybody is accountable here. John Gant, who pitches tonight for the Cardinals, has thrown 34 innings and he's walked 27. Uh, Reyes has walked 19 in 21 innings. 
Uh, even Wayno has walked 15 in his 46. Carlos Martinez, 14 in his 41 innings. Uh, Webb has walked 14 in 11 and two-thirds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Flaherty has been fine, 47 and a third and only 13 walks. Helsley has walked a dozen in 17 innings. Hicks, before he got hurt, had walked 10 in 10 innings. Just way too many guys that are walking essentially a hitter in inning or close to it. Not only is it going to prohibit you from a winning standpoint, but as a fan or as an observer watching the game, my gosh, is it boring. It is. It's terrible. Drags drags yeah. these games out. And I, I don't know, and maybe this is something that we can ask Mike Schilt about, I don't know if there's anything a pitching coach can do about that. If there was an answer, I'm sure Mike Maddox would be going to his guys saying, okay, don't walk as many guys. Right. But I don't know how you solve the problem once you are into the season, especially with guys that in the past have been reasonably successful in suppressing base runners. This is a different thing. If you look, for example, at John Gant's career, and granted, this is his first year as a starter, but... Prior to this year, in uh, 2020, he threw, let me get this for you, uh, 15 innings, and he walked only seven. year before that, 66 innings, walked 34. 114 innings in 2018, and walked only 57. Not only 57, but not nearly as many as he's walking per nine innings now. Yeah, you're right. It's not as simple as, hey, go out there and and. Don't walk anyone. It's not that simple, no. obviously, BT, or else they wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> BT says the worst fans are the ones that the pitcher can hear that yell, throw a strike, because he says it's not easy. <laughs> and don't you think that's the goal? It, it is. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, but I do wonder why everyone seemingly is dealing with this. It's not one or two pitchers that we've isolated that are dealing with this, but the fact that every pitcher seemingly on the Cardinals is dealing with this problem does make you wonder. So at the end of the day, the Cardinals are going to need to suppress base runners, suppress offense by the opposition, and like you said, let their defense play and make plays. And if they do that because of the pitching that they're going to see and the way the offense is going for the Cardinals, they should be able to go in my opinion, four and one in these five games against the Pirates and Cubs. This is that's where I stand. Four if they don't go four and one or five and zero, oh, I'll be disappointed. So you think take both versus Pittsburgh, two of three versus the Cubs? That'd be fine. Yeah, that's it's certainly fair. attainable. And by the way, they face Kyle Hendricks, so that'd be the L, <laughs> right? Yeah, because they just can't hit him. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Next up, get your text into the Air Comfort, Comfort Service text line 65780. Emily is with us, and we've got Take It or Leave It coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker with you on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Send in your text for take it or leave it here on 101 ESPN. The Blues down one nothing in the series against the Colorado Avalanche. It's a best of seven. First team to four wins wins it. Take it or leave it, Michelle. The Blues get to one win. Take it. All right. I like that. What, you don't think they're going to win one game? Oh, no, I Sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Everything that's wonderful is what I feel when we're together. Yeah, there's no doubt that they're going to win one game. 
Yesterday, we started the show with the Kelly Chase hype video yep. speech. We were so amped. This morning, we wake up. We're tired because the game went late. It's raining. The Blues have lost. Our pets' heads are falling off. Everything is terrible on a Tuesday. Yeah, it kind of is. And it started so great on a Monday. We were so ready. I know. And I'm still ready. I'm Tomorrow night, they start at 930, and I'm looking forward to it. But they better play better. Did you nap yesterday? I took a, a brief nap. Yes. That was that was a smart play. Yeah, did you? I did. I tried. Didn't mm-hmm. didn't get it done. I regretted that around ten fifteen. I'll bet. <laughs> I'll tell you. Okay, Randy. So we spoke about this on our show last week. I went on the morning show on ESPN. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. They're doing this fun thing called Market Madness, mm-hmm. where they're plugging into different sports markets in America. You have to list your top three sports stars, and then that goes on to a bracket where people are going to be able to vote nationwide. We were talking in the break, and arguably, I would think the two biggest stars in America right now are LeBron and Tom Brady, right? Yes. So take it or leave it. Let's take L.A. out of the equation because LeBron plays there. Let's take Boston out of the equation because Brady played there and Boston hates LeBron. Let's use New York or Chicago. I think Mm -hmm. those are two big cities, pretty good barometer. Take it or leave it. If LeBron and Tom Brady went to a restaurant in a big market, New York, Chicago, and there was one table left. LeBron gets the table. I, I am going to take that. Yes, I am. He, for multiple reasons. But I do believe that nationally, Tom Brady is disliked because of the perception of cheating. And I think he's liked better now than he was. But I still think that the the love of LeBron nationally and in markets like that is stronger than the love of Brady. And in New York, they hate Tom Brady. But even after he went to Tampa and he's having fun, he's partying, he's throwing the the Super Bowl trophy, great, the Lombardi yeah. trophy off a boat. He's having a great he's stumbling off like he's had a few too many. He he's having a great time. Yeah, he's reinvented he hasn't reinvented himself. Tampa reinvented him. And he is, he's more likable. But I still think LeBron gets to the table. I, I do too. By the way, take it or leave it, you know, Derek Jeter sold his house. Derek, it was listed for 29 and a half mil. Jeter wound up selling it for 22. Mm. Take it or leave it, you would feel uncomfortable telling Tom Brady, yeah, we got to evict you. Oh, take it. <laughs> I think I would just let him squat there as long as he wants. <laughs> I <think> so too. <laughs> Emily, what do you got for us? From the 217, take it or leave it. The Blues win at least one game without Perron, and John Gant goes six-plus innings tonight, six innings-plus tonight. Oh, this is an interesting so exact. This is two. Yeah. Two for. And I'm going to I'm going to leave both. Uh, and so it's an exact that I'm leaving them. They aren't gonna, Blues aren't winning a game without Perron, and John Gant ain't going six innings. Do you think that the Blues aren't going to win without Perron because he's going to be back and they're not going to have to deal with it? Yes. I like that. So That's then, positive. So I'm going to leave it too. What do you do? You think he's back tomorrow? I do. I, I do as yeah. well. I hope so. Me too. <laughs> they need him. You gotta, let's fake a test. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. And John Gant, you can't throw him 130 pitches, so you can't throw him six innings. From the 314, take it or leave it, at least four current Blues are not on the opening day roster next year. Okay. I think this is interesting, and this would include injured guys. Certainly, somebody's going in the expansion draft. So there's one. And I wonder if that might be number 91. I know. So, But I'm, uh, let me just take a 
quick perusal here and see if I can find four. Bozak won't be back, free agent. Okay, okay. so there's two. Um, hmm. Okay, I, I think we're going to have to look to the defense here. Mike Hoffman won't be back. Okay, so three. There's three. That's very easy. And I would say Sanford or Blay have a chance to not be on the team. Vince Dunn has a very good chance to not be on this team. Good call. So I'll take that at least four. And if you inc- include Carl, Carl Gunnarsson, there's no chance of him being back. So I would absolutely take that. Take it or leave it. If the Blues get bounced in the first round, Doug Armstrong makes a surprising move. I'll take that. Yeah, I will. And there might be a surprising move for them. And by the way, Schwartz, he's a free agent, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. So there's no guarantee that he'll be back. But if they lose Tarasenko or Krug in the expansion draft, and by the way, they'll protect Krug because they don't have to protect Nico Mikola. So if they lose 91... That opens up seven and a half million dollars to make a surprise move, or you could just save it for a couple of years because you got to sign Matthew Kachuk in a couple of years anyway. Oh, that's right. They're going to need to be yeah. focusing on that. Right. You think that happens? Yes, I do. Oh man, that would be so great. <laughs> yeah, I think there's there's a method to the madness of the Blues salary cap puzzle. If you look at their, what they've got on cap friendly, it just kind of looks like that's the pursuit in 2023. So this is a long play. Oh, big time. Yeah. From the 314, take it or leave it. Wallman is a key guy to the rest of the season. I'm going to take that. I was Patrick and I were watching the game last night, and I said to him, who would have thought that we missed Jake Wallman? I know, right? <laughs> but we do. True. They need a, a couple key guys to yeah. step up, though. The big thing is, and I wonder if Ruby will change the lines and put, and if they get Perron back, it won't be a problem. But you really only have one line with three playoff quality players on it when you have Shen Schwartz and O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. They need to have it so that they can have what they had a couple of years ago with O'Reilly and Shen or, or O'Reilly and Perron on one line and then Schwartz and Shen on another and fill in around to those guys. From the 636, it is National Museum Day. Hey! Take it or leave it, St. Louis is very underrated when it comes to our museums. Oh, you got to take that. Incredible museums here in St. Louis. The Art Museum is top-notch. The History Museum, both beautifully nestled right there in Forest Park. Everybody loves the City Museum. Uh, Do not overlook the Westward Expansion Museum, I believe that's what it's called, at the base of the arch. Hello, Michelle. We have the Dog Museum. Oh, I did not know that. Where's that located? That is out in Queenie Park. Oh, I didn't know that. I need to go check that out. The Museum of Trans. Transport okay. with trains, planes, and automobiles. That's right. My friend's son, James, loves that place. Yep. So, yeah, all kinds of great museums here in St. Louis. We used to have the Bowling Hall of Fame which and Museum, which yeah, was uh-huh. pretty cool. The Cardinals Hall Cardinal, of Fame. Cardinal Museum which is, is awesome. Museum, yep. So I'm absolutely on board with that. We're, uh, we're underrated. Yeah, eat your heart out, New York. <laughs> they got nothing. Come on. MoMA, forget it. Yeah. From the 636, take it or leave it. Albert becomes an enemy by hitting a home run against the Cardinals in the NLCS. I'm going to leave that because even if he hit a home run and even if it was in a clutch moment, he's never going to be considered the enemy. No, he never will. Never. How Do you think it would be a situation where Cardinals fans would be clapping for him if he did that in that moment because they would be happy for him? that he a golf clap. Yeah, they wouldn't be pumped, but... They respect him I, so much. I think it would just be dead quiet. I think that they would just... A glass case of emotions. Don't yeah. really know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> nothing that they can do. Well, you got one more, Emily? Yes. From the 636, take it or leave it, the Cardinals have a player hit above 300 this year. 
would it would be Tommy Edmond. Oh, uh huh. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to say they don't, and they don't care about batting average anyway. That's right. Oh, by the way, the Chess Club Hall of Fame in the Central West End, the Chess Hall of Fame, oh, another yeah, great museum here in St. Louis. I was going to say, I thought we had the Chess Hall of Fame. So, the Dog Museum allegedly from the 314 closed two years ago. Oh, we we well, need to look I, I into had, that. I had not been there in a while. Well, you know what? Pandemic. We we don't yeah. know about all of these yeah. things. But uh, we, we need to look into that. I don't know if that's true or not. Okay. But. Probably is. That's too bad, though. But we still have a great list of museums here. We do. Very impressive. Emily, thank you very much. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Okay. The Blues lose to the Avalanche 4-1, to one, and the, the Avs lead the series 4-1. to one. That's a meetup. We, we never have meetups from Emily. But we do now. We have one that we can say. Say it it's, again. It's on your calendar that the Avs, oh. the Blues fall to the Avalanche 4-1 and the Avs lead the series 4-1. to So I'm looking at the rundown where uh-huh. there is not a meetup. It says Blues fall to the Avalanche 4-1, to Avs lead the series 1-0. Okay. That was a copy and paste goof up then. Well, that, well, that's bad. what Meat always said. It was copy and paste. I copy and pasted. That's my bad. No, no worries. A little control Z action. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's right on the rundown. I'm sorry. I know it is. Coming up, we're going to talk what it, what the Blues need to do moving forward in this series. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> It is 8.02 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And it is not a pleasant day outside. It's not. It's raining. It's cloudy. It's supposed to be all day. But we're trying to brighten your day up. You know, one thing I've learned over the years in working for many years before we started doing a show together Mm -hmm. is that Michelle Smallman is extraordinarily generous. (laughs) And she wants to give you stuff. And today, I know, Michelle, you just want to give away stuff. Yeah, it's raining outside. We're talking about a Blues playoff loss today. Most people in St. Louis stayed up late to watch that game. Quick turnaround. It's a rough Tuesday. So to brighten everyone's spirits, we are going to give away some Cardinal baseball tickets. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to want to listen throughout the rest of the show because two separate times we are going to give away a code word you're going to text that code word into 65780 emily is going to select a winner but the second part of this is that we're going to call you up you're going to be on the show but you have to give us a really good dad joke and make everyone in st louis laugh let's brighten everyone's spirits and then you get the tickets love it so we'll do that that's coming up later on in the show two times mike claiborne joining us at 8 45 after the fight do we have a fighter yet? Do we need a fighter? 65780, if you want to uh, fight, just text the word fight to 65780. Fight with your name, and maybe Emily will pick you. So we've got that at the bottom of the hour. And then Ned Coletti, former Dodgers GM, Dodgers pre- and post-game analyst, and obviously knows the Albert situation very well. Ned will join us coming up at 9.30. But top of the news for St. Louisans today, the Blues falling 4-1 in Game 1 of their first-round series against Colorado last night at at Ball Arena. Is it Ball Arena or Ball Center? Who cares? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> ball it, Arena. Okay. It's Cronky's house. I don't care. Yeah. He really literally has a condo, a 5,000 square foot condo on top of that. How many times do you think he's been in that, in that space? It used to be his main spot. Really? Yeah. When he was negotiating the Rams move, that's where everybody had to go was to Denver. Really? Yeah. I just assumed since he wanted to be in L.A. so badly that he would never step foot outside well, California. He was desperate to get there, Randy. He does have the house in Malibu. 
So. It's pretty pretty nice setup. Yeah, he, he does have that going for him. Anyway, <laughs> the Blues fall by a score of 4-1 to Colorado last night. Ryan O'Reilly, you watched that top line of Landeskog, Ranton, and McKinnon wind up with eight points. What were they like to play against? Yeah, yeah, it was very tough tonight. They they played very well and came at us with a lot of speed, and it, yeah, it was difficult to, to generate anything and, and get momentum. Um, yeah, yeah, they, they played well. I think they're by far the better team tonight. Um, you know, if it was for Benner, it would have been, uh, you know, it could have been messy early, but, um, you know, we did some things all right. We just got to improve and, and get back. Um, yeah, well, you know, we got to get a rest and get ready for the next game. He just summed that up perfectly. He sure did. Colorado was by far the better team out on the ice. If it wasn't for the outstanding play of Jordan Bennington, that would have been a bloodbath. It would have been absolutely brutal. But hockey players, and especially this team who's been through so much, and so many players on this team are championship caliber players, they have to have a short memory. It's the only way that you're able to get through the Stanley Cup playoffs is to not let losses like that linger. And I think the Blues can turn the page. Hopefully they're going to get David Perron back by tomorrow night, which will be a lift for them, not only emotionally, but of course, from a production standpoint and they just need to get back at it and they need to try as hard as they can and I know it's difficult with a talented team like Colorado to play their game yep. it felt like the entire time Colorado had forced their, their will and the Blues were reacting if the Blues can set the tone that's when they're going to have success and and that's easier said than done obviously against <laughs> that team no doubt about it Ryan O'Reilly what do the Blues need to do better well, I think, you know, we have to break the puck out better. I think it's kind of times uh, trying to be a little too safe. And, you know, we have to be aggressive aggressive against them in the D zone and, and shut their speed down. Um, and then from there, we got to make strong plays. And you know, a couple of times we're fighting it a bit and, and not having the talk we normally have. So it's, it's you know, it's everyone being, you know, all five guys on the ice being smarter, talking it out. Uh, you know, anytime we get skin on them, we have to do a better job at it. Yeah, that you got to be better in the defensive zone. But the best way to play defense against that team is to have the puck in the offensive zone and play Blues hockey. You want to hear from the peeps? Yes, let's let's do it. Oh, by the way, let's also point out that the Blues, while very good on the road this year with a record of 15-9-4, Colorado was 22-4-2 at home. They were a dominant home team. And that's another thing the Blues have to overcome with more people in that building and more emotion in that building. Yes. And you could feel it watching the yeah. game. Absolutely. From the 314, Randy, it's game one. Let's hope the guys aren't overreacting to a single away loss the way the fans have. No, they don't. They 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 will be confident. Hey, a couple of years ago when the Blues lost game four to Dallas, or no, game five and went back to Dallas down 3-2. Players were fine. They said, yeah, we're going to win. So the players, if if they're good and they know it, they aren't going to overreact. When you overreact is when you've won before and you know you aren't as good. What did Ryan O'Reilly say? We're going to have fun and we're going to beat them? Yeah, he did I say I believe that. that was the quote. I don't know how fun last night was. Well, maybe they were just trying to make Colorado feel good about themselves. That's nice. Yeah, 50 shots. Let, maybe that's the play. Let them, let them get comfortable. Let them get comfortable. The Blues are just lying in wait. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. From the 314, the Blues looked rushed, slapping the puck around. They fell nonstop. They're chasing hits out of possession. The Blues played Colorado's game last night, not theirs. Absolutely. And looking rushed is the perfect and apt description of what happened because they were a step behind. They were They were chasing things, no doubt about it. But that was, in large part, maybe in all part because of the fact that 
Colorado is just so much faster than they are. At every aspect, the the Avalanche are, are big and faster than the Blues. Skilled, dynamic. Yep. A lot of adjectives. Yeah, and willing to play physical, too. <laughs> yep. From the 636, what a shameful performance. You can't let your goalie face 50 shots in a playoff game. Binner was great. The only other player who played with guts was Shen. Shen did play with guts. And remember a couple of years ago when Jake Allen was so good against Minnesota, he had a couple of 50 save games, and the Blues wound up losing the series. That's what I thought last night when I watched. It was reminiscent of that team against the Wild that really didn't give themselves a chance, but Jake Allen was the only reason they had a chance. At times, it felt like the Blues were just so overwhelmed that it was a, 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 like through the, the hourglass, like the sand mm-hmm. was running out until they were going to score. From the 636 again, last night was not Blues hockey. They played into Colorado's hands, a disappointing performance, to say the least. Yeah. And I think what we're all coming back to is the same thing. And we've talked to David Perron during the season about this, is if the Blues play their game and set the tempo and dictate to the opposition, they can win. And when they have all of their guys, and this includes David Perron, most teams in the NHL can't play with them. But with... Again, going back to the speed and the precision with which Colorado plays, it's hard to have the puck enough to play the Blues game. The Blues never got into their game last night. There wasn't a moment where you thought, okay, for two two or three minutes, they're sustaining pressure in the offensive zone. It just didn't happen. And then you look at the other end of the ice. Not only is Colorado maintaining possession of the puck in the offensive zone, but they're getting to Biddington and they're taking away his eyes. Mm -hmm. And that's how you beat the Blues is... You don't allow them to have the puck. And then you, if Bennington sees it, he saves it. But last night, he couldn't see the puck. And he still made a bunch of incredible yeah, saves. It was amazing. <laughs> but you can't guarantee that every time. Right. You, you, it's just unrealistic. The 314 has an interesting point, Randy. If 91 would have scored on that open net early, it would have been a different game. It definitely would have because all the momentum would have been with the Blues at that point, And maybe they could have generated something. Scoring first is a huge thing. Yep. But he didn't. And he, even though he did get off to a good start, needs to play better for the entire game. He needs to be better for 60 minutes. All right, I have two more for you. From the 636, it's hard to win when your best player was not playing last night. Perron led the team in points. Yeah, it it is hard to win. But Blues were really good in 20, 2021, I guess. No, 1920, mm-hmm. the bubble season. And Vladimir Tarasenko wasn't there, and they averaged 3.3 goals a game. And he, he had been their leading goal scorer the year before. Yeah. Finally, from the 314, was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? LGB. Uh, Germans? Don't stop me, he's rolling. All right. We appreciate the texts. Thank you very much. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that is today's fresh take on 101 ESPN. And no, it wasn't over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor. Coming up, we want to hear from you. Albert Pujols with an RBI hit for the Dodgers last night in his L.A. debut. He says that he never said to the Angels that he wanted to be anything more than a bench player. Didn't demand to play every day. With that as a backdrop, should the Cardinals have been even more aggressive? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
Albert Pujols played his first game with his third team in the majors last night, having an RBI hit for the Dodgers in their win over Arizona. Albert had a press conference yesterday on the heels of being announced as the newest member of the Dodgers. And one of the questions was about him departing the Angels and the assertion by Joe Madden and their team president that Pujols only wanted to be a full-time player. He didn't want to be a bench player. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, my goal over the last two years, uh, it wasn't never to try to be everyday first baseman. I told you guys early in spring training, whatever role they have for me, I'm going to go with. I understand they, you know, they make that decision as an organization, a business decision, and, and no hard feeling. You know, I understand that. So uh, they had a talk with me, and that was it. You know, you know, move forward, and I'm just glad to get another opportunity wearing different uniform. But I think, you know, there's a lot of things out there say, oh, that he wanted more playing time. He wanted to play every day, which that never comes out of my mouth. You guys asked me that question over and over so many times. And I always tell you guys, uh, however the team use me, I'm here for that. Whether it's mentor the young guys, whether it's, you know, giving my bats out there. Listen, I have 80 some bats this year. I never thought that so early in April I was going to have that many bats. And, and I was excited with the playing, uh, the playing time that I got in there. But I also understand that they wanted to move different direction. And, and I respect that. You know, I was in that organization for nine and a half years. And, you know, there's no hard feeling at all. Good yeah, answer. But, yeah, it is. But there might be hard feelings. I can't imagine that he's super thrilled with the way that it ended. But I think that's really interesting from Albert to say that his goal was never to play every single day, that he would play in any role that was asked of him. And I wonder where the disconnect is. If you have Joe Madden and the Angels saying the role that he wanted didn't exist here, so we had to move on. And then him accepting a role that obviously long term is not going to be him playing every single day. It does lead me to believe that that the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. And it's not that Albert isn't a team first guy because he is. Albert wants to win. We know this. We know that that's what he is all about. But he is chasing a pretty significant number towards the end of his career. And knowing that those opportunities are few and far between, I think, most people could come to the conclusion that it sounds rational to think he would want to play every day in the quest for 700. So speaking of long-term, the natural question is, how long does he want to play and is wearing Dodger blue his last stop? And I know you've been reluctant to say anything about retirement, but uh, are you ready to say this is your last stop? No, I won't make that comment until until the end of the season. I told you that. Uh, early in spring, and I'm going to continue to say that the rest of the year until, you know, the season is over. So I feel like I, I still got some gasoline left in my tank. And like I say, I'm really excited for this opportunity. So the question for you is, were the Cardinals aggressive enough in pursuing him now that we have the knowledge that he is willing to be a bench player? And because he says this isn't necessarily his last stop, should the Cardinals be aggressive if the DH is implemented in the National League for 2022? So with those questions, let's go to Brendan with a mic drop on 101 ESPN. You know, I wasn't too sure about bringing him back, you know, and having the birds on the bat, but to see him in that Dodger blue literally makes me want to puke. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. It, It doesn't look great. No, especially we're in number 55. Doesn't look right. No, it's. I'm thrilled for him and the opportunity, but that also doesn't mean that I think it looks natural to see him wearing that uniform. No, I mean, you, well, you've literally seen him for 20 years in red. Yeah. So the blue is a shock to the system. 
also in St. Louis, the Cardinals fans have had some pretty rough postseason moments with the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. They're the enemy in a lot of ways. They're on the enemy list, I'd at least say. Sure. And so to see someone who was our guy for so long wearing the laundry of a team on the enemy list is always going to be weird. Let's hear from Josh next. I would love to see Albert back uh, in St. Louis. It just doesn't make any sense right now. We don't have a spot for him, especially with the young out, Neil now day to day. We have to have a versatile bench to move people around. Um, basically, I can see the Dodgers keeping him for a few months and then designating him for assignment. Uh, if that happens, I can see the Cardinals picking him up and uh, for a stretch run. He would be a good bat off the bench in the playoffs. And yesterday we had Jorge Castillo from the LA Times on, Michelle, and he talked about how even with all the injuries, he doesn't expect Pujols to get a ton of playing time. I figured with the injury to Seager and with the injury to A.J. Pollock that they would want that right-handed bat in the lineup because they aren't good against left-handed pitching. But he still believed, as of yesterday, Castillo did, that the Dodgers would give Albert limited playing time to try to preserve him. And Albert, when he was on with the fast lane earlier in the year, said every single team is going to have to tell him no Mm -hmm. before he's ready to hang it up. And obviously he got another opportunity and who knows what will happen after this season. But I think a lot depends on how he performs over the next few months. And if he can just show that he hits left-handed pitching, there will be teams in baseball that will say, oh, okay, well, if, if he can maintain an 850 OPS against lefties, Dodgers will keep him. Because they can't hit left-handed pitching, at least for the rest of this year. And then next year, things will open up. But if he gets to 780 home runs, if he would hit, what's he got, 67 now? So if he would hit a dozen for the Dodgers, somebody might pick up on that for next year with the, him approaching 700. Especially if, if, he hits, if he hits 17 this year, there's a lot of teams that could use a hitter that hits 17 home runs. Do you think that there is a number to where if he was in striking distance of 700, the Cardinals would show more interest? If they knew, we can do the math here, he's only going to need X amount of at-bats, and likely he'll have that milestone and he'll do so in St. Louis wearing the birds on the bat. Do you think that that would be appealing to them, or do you think they're looking at this? Or I guess if you were the Cardinals, that's Mm -hmm. how I should, because we don't know what they're thinking. But would having him reach that milestone in a Cardinals uniform be more valuable to you than him potentially not being that productive all the time? I guess, is the cha- is the juice worth the squeeze when it comes to that? It, I think a lot of it depends, obviously, on the advancement of young players this year and if you have the DH. But like I said, if he hits 17 for the Dodgers this year and gets to 679, and he's 21 away, and his, that means he'll have hit 17 this year. In his last full season before this year, he hit 23. Before that, 19. Before that, 23. And, and obviously at the age of 36, he hit 31. You would think that he could hit 21 home runs if he's a DH. Now, the problem is, if you're the Cardinals, is there somebody to play DH that can be more productive? If I'm the Cardinals, I'm going to base everything on production and the player's ability to win for me. I'm not going to base it on milestones. I wouldn't either. And uh, that sounds cold because it is, but it's a business and I want to win. And the Cardinals want to win. You don't go out and acquire Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, if you're not trying to win a championship. Right. How is Lisa on 101 ESPN? 
Morning. Sure, it could wood sideways with Albert. Absolutely. But it could have also added a lot of energy to the stadium. And gosh, he's good enough for the Dodgers. Hmm. I just think he would have been something off the bench, and I think that energy would have helped him. Cesar Cedeno, Will Clark, Larry Walker. Thanks. Thing is, if it, if it were one of those situations where it was Cesar Cedeno in September, if it was Will Clark in September, if it was Larry Walker in September, I think the Cardinals do it. And Bill DeWitt kind of referenced that. If it were a different time of the season, mm-hmm. I think the Cardinals do that. It's mid-May. There's four and a half months of the season left. Right. I don't think that the Cardinal situation, first of all, is anywhere close to what the Dodgers situation is. Because the Dodgers, they had a place last night to hit him fourth and, and play him at first base. There's a need there. Yeah, the, the Cardinals do not have that need at the moment. And I would have felt a whole lot more comfortable if the Cardinals would have picked him up on August 31st or July 31st even and had him as a bench player for two months rather than four and a half. The factor that sways things one way or the other for me, if I'm the Cardinals, is the notion that he might want to play every day. Because if he's saying he didn't and that he's fine accepting whatever role that a team asks of him, then I am a little bit more surprised that the Cardinals didn't pick up the phone or that they weren't a little bit more aggressive. Just because of the history, I always looked at it through the lens of if he wants to play, there's not a spot Mm -hmm. for him here. And if the Cardinals thought that too. I'm I'm not surprised that they didn't call him, but if he really was willing to accept any role at any time and just wanted to fall in line and be any member of the team that he could be, then it does seem like they at least would have explored it a little bit more. So there was a report over the weekend that he had approached them about being a bench player and a mentor, but clearly the Cardinals thought, okay, we have more upside here. And we have a better chance to win with the group that we have. Whether or not that's accurate or not, I don't know. But if I were the Cardinals, I would have done the exact same thing that they did. I I, I don't see enough upside in Albert at this stage of his career to bring him here and be a bench player and a mentor. Do you think there's any part of this that is Albert chose to leave all those years ago? He chose to leave St. Louis for money. And now he wants to come back. Sorry, you chose to leave. You made your decision all those years ago. That might be part of it. You can't sit here. There's no room. <laughs> but if if I were them, if I'm Mo and I'm Bill DeWitt, and, and they are not immediate thinkers, they're forward thinkers, mm-hmm. my question would be, okay, this is going to end soon. Can it end well? With all the pride that Albert Pujols has, and look what he's doing now. Mm-hmm. He, and he says, I'm going to go to every team and have them tell me. He's already said that. We've got audio of him saying, every team is going to have to tell me I can't play anymore. If you bring him back in May of 2021, can it end well? And I would say no. It depends on what your definition of ending well is, because Bill DeWitt is a businessman. Yeah. And will that sell a lot of merchandise? You betcha. Will it put butts in the seats? You betcha. From a production standpoint, will it be there? Will it help your team win? TBD. We don't know yet. But a, a lot of people on the text line were suggesting that maybe that had something to do with it, the feelings yeah. involved. That's why I brought it up. But I think at the end of the, at the, end of the day, Bill mm-hmm. DeWitt is a businessman. He wants to make money, and he wants yeah. to win championships. And my question, let me put it this way for you. Can the Cardinals have Albert, an Albert Pujols day where he's voluntarily retiring from baseball and 
he can get the adulation from 45,000 Cardinal fans. Is he going to voluntarily say, yeah, I'm ready to not play anymore and I want to retire as a member of the Cardinals? That, to me, is it ending well. Or is he going to go to free agency and still look for another team to play for? Right. That's the question I would ask. And to me, the answer right now appears to be he's going to try to go out and find another team for as long as he can. And that's why I wouldn't have done it. I think so, too. Uh, Michelle, what do you think our code word should be for somebody who wants to win tickets to a Cardinals game tomorrow night against the Pirates? It's the Budweiser Bash featuring an exclusive Ken Reitz bobblehead with a portion of each ticket supporting the the Ken Reitz Foundation. Uh, if, and by the way, if people want to buy tickets for tomorrow night, they can at cardinals.com slash promotions. But if they wanted to win four right now, what would a good word be that they could text in? Well, let's... Think something with the bobblehead. There's got to be something there that could be a good code word, Randy. Well, what do you a think? Great idea. You know, Ken Reitz was known, a name bestowed on him by Mike Shannon. He was known as the old Zamboni machine because he sucked up every ground ball that was hit to him. Zamboni. I love it. Okay. Text in the word Zamboni and Emily and Mike Ryder. They might pick you, and then you have to have a dad joke in your holster. <laughs> Because a good we're going to put you on the air with, uh, yeah, uh, with a good dad joke. You can win the tickets for tomorrow night. Next up, though, we've got the fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It's time for the fight, and I am so excited to talk to Randy's competition today. We have the one, the only, Cannoli Joe on the line. That's right. His name is Cannoli Joe. What's up, Joe? How you doing? <laughs> you know, I just finished uh, my morning cannoli, so I'm feeling pretty good. Okay, let's talk through this. Morning cannoli. Do you have it like other people might have a bagel or some yogurt? <laughs> Well, uh, that's what other people do, but I'd like to, you know, start my day off with, uh, you know, a nice, fresh baked cannoli from the hill. You are winning. That sounds like a great <laughs> way to start the day, Cannoli Joe. I love that. Well, good luck against Randy. Yeah, I, I'm going to need some, you know, uh, just like the uh, the Blues against the Avs, I'm going to need some. Well, let's hope you fare a little better than they did. <laughs> let's hope that Thanks. you do. Okay, Cannoli Joe, question number one. Speaking of the Blues, the Blues versus the Avalanche round one. It began last night with the Avs taking game one, four to one. Who did the Avalanche play and ultimately beat in the first round of last year's playoffs? Was it the Arizona Coyotes, the Dallas Stars, or the Vegas Golden Knights? I'm going to go with uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Okay, Joey Cannoli. Yankees right-hander Garrett Cole set an MLB record for strikeouts last night without a walk with 61 strikeouts and zero walks. Who did he pass for the record? Was it Kurt Schilling, Corbin Burns, or Greg Maddox? Oh, geez. Um, who is the – Who is the, what are my choices again? <laughs> Okay, you want me to reread the whole thing? Yes, please. All right. Yankees right-hander Garrett Cole set an MLB record for strikeouts without a walk last night with 61 strikeouts and zero walks. 
who did he pass for this record? Was it Kurt Schilling, Corbin Burns, or Greg Maddox? Oh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, the Cardinals pitching coach, Greg's Ma- Greg Maddox. All right, Cannoli Joe. Vladimir Tarasenko <laughs> has 33 Stanley Cup playoff goals. Who has the most in Blues franchise history? Is it Brad Hall? Is it Bernie Federko? Or is it Jaden Schwartz? Oh, Brad Hall and Bernie Federko. You know, I'm, I'm going to go with Holly just because he's so much fun, and, and maybe you can, you know, play play that clip, uh, you know, as a result of me picking Holly. Which one? Know. We went blues. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good one. <laughs> All right, and Albert Pujols will be wearing number 55 for the Dodgers this year. Who was the last Cardinal to wear number 55? Was it Stephen Piscotty, Skip Schumacher, or Max Schrock? I'm going to go with uh, Max, good old Max. Okay, we're checking our score here. Randy's on his way in. Now, we know Randy loves numbers. We know he's very into jersey numbers, so I'll be surprised if he gets that one wrong. Randy, as you uh, get settled, please say good morning to our friend, Cannoli Joe. Hey, Cannoli Joe, how you doing? <laughs> good to have you with hey, us. I'm, do- I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good here. We'll see how this fight goes. You know, I'm going to bring the boys down from uh, Rhode Island if I don't win. <laughs> you know, you'll be seeing us at the studio, okay? Ooh, the All boys right. from Rhode Island. You don't want that. Did we already ask you how you got the name? We did, but okay. he can tell you again. Okay. So go ahead, Cannoli Joe. Tell me how you got the name Cannoli Joe. You make cannolis? Uh, I do not. I eat them. Oh, good. And, you know, I I think that's how I got the nickname when I was uh, a young boy. Uh, I I ate dozens of cannolis, and it's just stuck with me, you know? I love it. It's an incredible nickname. It's great. It's very (laughs) good fellas-esque. You never want to go in the back room with Cannoli Joe. No. (laughs) Who like that guy? Cannoli Joe. Cannoli Joe. (laughs) You gotta go talk to Cannoli Joe. He has his coffee, his cannoli. He'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> All right, Randy. Blues versus Avs, round one began last night. We know that the Avs took the game four to one. Who did the Avalanche play and ultimately beat in the first round of last year's playoffs? First round of last year's playoffs. So this would have been the same round that the Blues played Vancouver, and they beat Dallas, or they lost to Dallas in the. Uh, Championship. So Avalanche and um, let's see, Blues. No, Canucks. No, Flames. Maybe. Um. See. Uh, let's see. So it, I don't think it was Nishfield. Um, Blackhawks. So I'll I'll go. Uh, I better do the lifeline here. Is it the Arizona Coyotes, the Dallas Stars, or the Vegas Golden Knights? Ah, Vegas. There you go. I think it was. Uh, no, Vegas played in the later two. Vegas got. I'll go with because I, I don't think Arizona made it. So what was the other one? Uh, Arizona, Dallas, Vegas. Well, Dallas made it to the finals, so I'm going to go with Vegas, I guess. Yankees right-hander Garrett Cole set an MLB record for strikeouts without a walk last night with 61 strikeouts and zero walks. Who did he pass for the record? He passed Corbin Burns. Randy Vladimir Tarasenko has 33 Stanley Cup playoff goals. Who has the most in Blues franchise history? Holy! With 67, I believe. 
and Albert Pujols will be wearing number 55 for the Dodgers this year. Who was the last Cardinal to wear number 55? Max Schrock. Ooh, ooh, Randy. Good fight. This was a good one. Emily, let him know who won. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com. Cannoli Joe, right. he beat you know, just I, I got to say, I, I should have went with Corbin. I, I should have went with him. I have no idea who he is, <laughs> and that's why I should have went with him, you know? Forget about it, Cannoli Joe. We all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. But Randy did edge you out. Very close fight, though. Three to two. So the Avalanche played and ultimately beat the Arizona Coyotes in the first round of last year's playoffs. Garrett Cole set the record for strikeouts without a walk last night with 61 strikeouts, zero walks. He passed Corbin Burns for that record, who had 58 strikeouts, zero walks this season. Vladimir Tarasenko has 33 Stanley Cup playoff goals, but it's Brett Hull who has the most in Blues franchise history with 67. And the last Cardinal to wear number 55 is indeed Max Schrock. Cannoli Joe, it was great talking to you. Have a great day. <laughs> you guys, too. You guys, too. Thanks, Thanks so Cannoli much. Joe. Appreciate you listening. I don't know why I went full Jersey there. It just felt it was, natural. No, it was yeah. impressive. Thank you. Good. Hey, you know, Chris Duncan <laughs> would have been 40 this month. And in celebration of Dunk's birthday, we brought back the Dunctionary T-shirt. Now through Friday, May 21st, that would be this coming Friday, you can order this year's limited edition Dunctionary T-shirt. And proceeds from all sales go to support the Chris Duncan Memorial Scholarship Fund. Thanks to CarStar, your auto body repair experts, for supporting this year's Dunctionary T-shirt campaign. Order your own very or your very own Dunctionary T-shirt now at 101ESPN.com. Mike Claiborne talking some Cardinal baseball next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We have a text on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 from the 314 says, I'm about to head into the office, but I will turn on the radio for a few extra minutes to hear you talk with Mike Claiborne. Because we always like to hear from Klaibs, who's with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Of course, you can hear him on the Cardinal broadcast tonight, and you can read and see the great work at ClaibsOnline.com. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I am doing well. Just trying to dodge the raindrops this morning. Klaibs, our goal in radio when we hop on the air is to get somebody who's sitting in their car to stay in their car. So that guy yeah. from the 314, thank you very much for helping us out. <laughs> So what we need to do is ask him to lock the doors so he can't get out. <laughs> right. Just stay in there for the whole day. Just stay in there. Yeah. Uh, uh, John Gant, if the weather holds out, is going to pitch tonight. And with Michaelis headed back, with Martinez headed back, is this the last start we see from John Gant? It could be. Um, you know, John Gant was a guy that, you know, we all hoped was going to turn out to be okay. And he's given the Cardinals a chance. But the walk thing uh, has just become such a, a glaring issue that he hasn't been able to figure that out yet. And so what you might see is if he, when he goes to the bullpen, you know, he can give you three, four innings. I mean, that's not a problem. It's just the fact he's got to throw strikes. And, and to his credit, I think it's safe to say that we've seen some pretty shoddy umpiring this year you know, around baseball. And he's a guy that pounds low in the zone. And if he doesn't get that call, then he doesn't have a plan B. And that's what's cost him. Uh, his last outing, you know, they just kept pumping fastballs. And, you know, he was getting that call. 
But, you know, you get the wrong guy behind the plate, uh, all of a sudden you start to press. And the next thing you know, every time you look up, it's 2-0 and or 3-0, and and, and you got to make a perfect pitch. In a lot of cases, it hasn't worked out that way. But I, I think the experience is on the way as far as starters are concerned with Carlos and uh, John, and uh, Miles Michaelis. So, yeah, this could be, but that doesn't mean he won't have a significant role in the success of this team this year. Definitely. Claves, the walk issue seems to have affected a lot of pitchers on this Cardinal staff. How It's contagious. It is contagious. This is a great way to put it. How alarmed are you by this? Do you think that this is something that the Cardinals will be able to self-correct, or is this something that you think could be a problem for a while? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I think that it comes from a lot of different things. Um, guys are pressing. I don't think there's any doubt about it. We mentioned the umpiring. And, and you know, everybody in baseball is watching the walks go up. Throw in the fact that, you know, I'm going to give the hitters a little credit here, too, because, you know, they have so much information on pitchers, and they know what they what not to swing at. And, you know, that slider that some guys have that's nasty may not be a strike, and they don't swing at it. Or if they get a two-strike count, they foul off enough pitches, and all of a sudden you go from 0-2 to 3-2, and and then they really start to press, and then you have bigger problems. I also think that, you have some guys that are having some control problems because I think there's some guys who aren't used to the way these baseballs are rubbed up or what they've been able to use to make sure they have a better grip. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot of hitters getting hit. And we're seeing some guys getting hit in the face. We saw one last night. And I just think that a lot of guys don't have the control because they don't have the feel for the baseball like they used to. Claims when Miles Michaelis comes back, I uh, first of all go back to his last first his last full season 2019. I thought he was as victimized by anybody that year by the juiced ball, and now with the de-juiced ball and fly balls traveling about five feet less, I wonder if that'll play into the hands of Miles Michaelis more because that's a guy that lived in the strike zone in his first yeah. year in 2018. Yeah, that's a good point you make. He he was a guy who had such good stuff. He 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 was throwing. He was a strike thrower. But but here's something, Randy. And I'm gonna ask Mike Schilt this every month since we've had the season underway. Are you noticing that that balls aren't carrying? Because I'm seeing balls getting crushed. I'm not seeing track power. You know, track power. I'm seeing guys that are hitting balls well into the seats. I don't see many guys that are standing in front of the wall making saves that, you know, you say last year this would have been a home run. So I, I, I think we, I'm going to wait a little while longer on, on that front to see how the weather has an impact. But in reference to your question about Michaelis, yeah, I, I think he's a guy that if he's right and he's throwing strikes, he's hard to hit. And, you know, he's just got really good movement. He's not, it's not fancy in what he's doing. But he's just got good movement on his fastball. He's got a couple other pitches that he's able to show you. But uh, he's a guy that you got to have. I mean, you know, we haven't had him in a rotation for almost two years now. So this is something that they've got to have. Clebs, of course, we have to ask you about Albert Pujols. What was your reaction when you heard he was going to the Dodgers? And do you think the Cardinals should have pursued him? Well, uh, in answer to your first question, I was happy for him. Um, you know, I we all know when it's over, it's over. Okay. You know, and every player talks about when their career is over, how much they miss the camaraderie. I personally would miss the first and the 15th more than, <laughs> than some of the guys. But my point being, you, you get this one kick at the can and he knows this is it. So I'm happy for him on that front. Now, with regard to the Cardinals, I, here, here's where you're going to run into a problem. 
A, I don't know if you will get enough at bats for him. You know, I mean, you look at the Dodgers situation at first, you look at the Cardinals situation. So you say, all right, we're going to give Goldschmidt one day a week off. So, okay, so Albert gets four at bats. Maybe he gets three pinch hits during the week. But the problem with the pinch hit is if he gets on base, he can't run. So now you have to have another pinch runner go in for him in that role. So you burn two spots right off the bat, not including the person he pinch hit for. And benches just aren't that deep. And if you look at the Cardinals bench, it's not very deep at all. So it, it, I just don't think it would have been as good of a fit. And, and I'm not a believer that you bring guys back for sentimental reasons. You know, you're here to win ball games. You know, we can have all the parades and the, the dedication moments later. But I just don't think you can afford to take a guy who wasn't playing well and, and throw him into a situation and say, well, you know, we, we he can fix it. You know, he's Albert. Well, he was Albert at that we knew. He's not the guy that we saw in St. Louis. He's not the guy that, that Anaheim or the Angels thought they were going to get. And like everybody else, when you get a little older, you just don't have the skill set like you once did. And once you accept that either I don't have it and I don't know what to do about it or I don't have it and I'm going to make an adjustment, you know, that that's the only way you survive. And you're still on borrowed time. I mean – you know, they say he's 41 years old. So how many 41-year-olds, you know, really step it up a notch? I just don't see enough of it. And, and Claves, that's an organization and a, a team that can afford to keep him as their 26th guy because they struggle against left-handed pitching. They're going to get Seager back. They're going to get Bellinger back. They're going to get Pollock back. And if Albert is willing to accept those three, four, or five at-bats a week so that he can take a shot at another world championship, it seems like it's much more, it would be much more palatable for the Dodgers be, to be able to carry that guy on their roster than the Cardinals would. I, I agree, but here's the other thing. As you mentioned it, Randy, uh, they have a bunch of guys on the injured list. So what happens when these guys start to come back and they need a roster spot? And, you know, do you have somebody else who's more versatile? that's on your bench, perhaps. So I, I really think that this is kind of a, a trial run for the Dodgers to see if they can buy some time and Albert can get his mojo going to justify him keeping a roster spot when these healthy players come back. Hey, before we let you go, do the Blues win one against Colorado? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, I'm one of those who doesn't believe series really start until game three. Uh, you know, we, I don't think anybody expected the Blues to breeze through Colorado. I know there are some people that think Colorado will breeze through the Blues. But I, I just feel like there, there's a game that they they can win. And if they win one, who knows what happens. But, you know, they have the work cut out for them. But it, it would be nice if some of the, the better players would be, you know, contribute a little bit mm-hmm. more. Now, I know Tarasenko had a couple of good looks early in the game. But, man, there's some guys that just we just haven't seen. You know, I give Braden Shin credit for at least trying to play the body and mix it up a little bit because he hasn't been the offensive guy that you hope to have. So, yeah, I'm just thinking that they'll they'll hopefully get it in gear. Uh, let's not play the Perron card. Oh, what was us? David Perron isn't in the lineup. Well, I got news for you. That means there's ice time for somebody else. And, you know, we put a lot of stock into the top six players as far as offense is concerned, and they just haven't gotten the job done. So, um, I feel like they can get a game, and maybe it's tomorrow night or Friday night or whenever it is. You know, I'm, I've lost track. You know, these late-night games, they really kind of messed up my clock. <laughs> Between four-hour baseball games and late games out in Colorado, 
Um, it's going to be interesting, though, to see how things develop. But I think if this team has the character that I think they do, they're going to show up with a better effort. And, and as good as Bennington was, Bennington shouldn't have to stand on his head like he had to just to keep them in it. Think about it. If he didn't make some saves, Blues could have easily lost 7-1, to 8-1. to one. And that's not a good effort, in my opinion. So hopefully they can turn it around. Claves, always good to hear from you. Looking forward to the uh, Daily Cards podcast on ClavesOnline.com. All right, you guys have a great day. Michelle, what'd you bring back? Anything exciting? Um, just some extra pounds from some bagels, Claves. That's all. Oh boy. oh, boy. All right, well, there's a gym waiting for you. Somebody will be calling you later. Don't I got worry. some stories for you. Don't worry. Looking forward to it. All right, you guys have a great week. Take all right, Claves, you too. Thanks. All right, uh, for the people that have uh, texted in the word Zamboni, we're going to have our winner with a great dad joke coming up next on today's Big Thing on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Nine oh five. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And right now, one hundred one ESPN has your chance to win a four pack of tickets to tomorrow night's Budweiser Bash for the Cardinals and Pirates. The Budweiser Bash features an exclusive Ken Reitz bobblehead, and a portion of each ticket supports the Ken Reitz Foundation. Get all the details for tomorrow night's Cardinal game and Budweiser Bash now at cardinals.com/slash. Promotions, And we head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. And Nick has now become a celebrity here on 101 ESPN. Nick texted in the word Zamboni. And congratulations, sir. If you come up with a fantastic dad joke for us, Nick, you will get the tickets. How are you doing this morning, first of all? Hey, doing pretty good. How about you guys? Everything's good. Okay, we need to know what your dad joke is. All right. So I see it's raining out today. And even though it's not April, uh, if April showers bring May flowers, then what do May flowers bring? I think I know the answer. What do May flowers bring? Pilgrims. There's a dad joke for you. Nick, Nick, great work. Well done. All right, you've got a couple of tickets, or four tickets, actually, for tomorrow night's game between the Cards and the Pirates, and you will get the Ken Reitz bobblehead when you go to the game as well. Have a great time, and thanks for listening. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right, Nick. Take care. I knew it was Pilgrims. I should have said Pilgrims what, for 400 What does What do Mayflowers bring? Pilgrims. Great. Great joke. Great dad joke. And you know what's even better is that we get to do this again. We're going to do hour. it later in the hour? Yes. We have more tickets to give away. Okay. This is so fun. This is great. We love giving away tickets. Santa has the best job. Just and, making everyone happy, giving away things oh, all the yeah. time. And you know what, Michelle? I think... Because we're having so much fun, we should give away tickets on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, Okay, done, done, done. Okay, let's do it. The Blues fall last night 4-1 in the opener of the series. (sighs) Hey, every game is its own entity. It's its own ecosystem. Every shift. But that being said, and hey, we're in the reaction business. The side of the fence that I fall on is that Colorado is just a better team than the Blues. And if the Blues, Michelle, play... As well as they can play, they can win a game, all right? And they need David Perron back. Yes. If the Blues don't play as well as they can play, I think if the Blues play their A game, the Avalanche play their B game, Avalanche still win. I think the only way the Blues can do this is if the Avalanche are playing at a B-minus level 
compared to last night, they were fantastic. They have 50 shots on goal. And the Blues are going to have to set the tempo, which against this Avalanche team is very, very difficult. Very difficult. The good news from last night that you extract from that game is that Jordan Bennington is playoff Jordan Bennington. He looked outstanding last night. 49 saves on 49 shots, 41 for 43 from even strength. The bad news is, is that you can't ask for anything else out of him. And I don't know if being what we saw last night is consistent through the rest of the series. At some point, Jordan Bennington is going to look human. And the rest of the team, if they play the way they played last night, that's going to be problematic. And as we know from intimately watching a Stanley Cup champion, you need production from up and down the lineup. You certainly need your best players to be your best players. Ryan O'Reilly is a Conn Smythe Trophy winner because he's your best player and played the best. But Vladimir Tarasenko had a really good playoff a couple of years ago. Jaden Schwartz had a really good playoff a couple of years ago. Shen had his moments in addition to Steen and Barbashev and Sunquist and Maroon, Robert Thomas, Bozak. Those guys all had their moments. I don't think anybody really had a moment last night where you say, okay, I'm talking about the blue skaters uh, in front of Jordan Bennington. Was there anybody that you thought, okay, that person, uh, Braden Shen. I was going to say, Shen's the only guy. Shen, he he stood out. But the blues need more people, the lesser players and the better players, to step up because just when you're going against the top line like Colorado has, you're going to have difficulty. You can't have one player playing again and stepping up and looking busy against a team like Colorado. Vladimir Tarasenko had a good look early, didn't capitalize. Mike Hoffman had a chance and wasn't able to get it done and props to Colorado for, for blocking it. But when those two moments happened, I thought, if you don't get those goals, this is not going to work out for you. If you get your opportunities and you can't capitalize, big or excuse me, Colorado is going to take advantage of that. They're just a better team. They're a really, really good team. They won the President's Trophy. And I just look at the Blues, and yes, getting David Perron back is going to be helpful, but there's more problems that we saw on the ice last night than just missing David Perron. One of, it, it, this isn't a problem. This is just a reality. When the Blues beat Colorado twice here late in the season, especially in the game where they fell behind 2 nothing, Ryan O'Reilly took over. And Ryan O'Reilly is a great player. It's hard to take over against a team that went 39-13-4, and won the President's Trophy, as you mentioned, and went 22-4-2. and It's hard for one guy to take over, but the one guy that the Blues have right now that's capable of doing that is Ryan O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate for him. But that's the pressure that he faces right now with the way this team is constituted is that he almost has to be the guy that takes over the game for the Blues to have a chance to win. If we're looking for positives, Jordan Kyrou with his first NHL yeah, playoff goal good. last night. Yeah, he, and it he, was beautiful. It was a, he was a great spot. It was a great finish. That's positive. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I actually kind of like the line, the, the Thomas Kyrou Hoffman line. Uh, as you mentioned, Hoffman had his opportunity. Jordan uh, Kyrou had the goal, and Thomas was at least gritty, but that line's going to have to produce more offensively as well. Doesn't matter. You aren't going to beat Colorado one nothing. so as great as Biddington was, the Blues only scored once. They need to get more production, and they need to play in... It sounds like a broken record, but it's the reality of the situation. They need to play with the puck in the offensive zone. If they don't do that, they don't have a chance. That is today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> All right, it is time for... You're killing me, Smalls. Randy Dan Campbell, head coach of the Detroit Lions. You might remember him from his introductory press conference earlier in the year where for about an hour he had some pretty pretty exciting thoughts on going to Detroit and being the new head coach there, but there was one soundbite that was extracted from that that most people remember. I wanted this job bad because I felt like I knew this community I played here all right here's what I know just as an overall philosophy you're going to say well what's this team going to be what's it not going to be here's what I know all right I know that Detroit's made up of great people some really good people all right this community is strong um this place has been kicked it's been battered it's been bruised and I can sit up here and give you coach speak all day long I can give you uh you know hey we're going to win this many games I can't that none of that matters, and you guys don't want to hear it anyway. You've had enough of that. Shit, so, excuse my language. All right. Here's what I do know is that this team is going to take on the identity of this city. All right. And the city's been been down, and it found a way to get up. All right. It's found a way to uh, overcome adversity. All right. And so this team's going to be built on. Uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth. All right. And when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. All right. And we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. All right. And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap and we're going to get up. And then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before before long, we're going to be the last one standing. You remember that. I do. It was great. And a lot of people were wondering if that really is Dan Campbell. Is that the type of entertainment value that he's going to bring to the Lions? Is he serious when he was talking about biting kneecaps? Also, I love when coaches make a statement and follow up with an all right. All right. All right. All right. right. That's what Coach Saban says. All right. Coach Venturi will do the all right. Yep. And whenever he says it, I say, all right, all right. I got, I, I am with you on this. But anyway, he was on, Dan Campbell was on the Part of My Take podcast with Big Cat and PFT. And he definitely wants to bring a new look, a new ferocious look to the Lions. He wants to bring, Randy, a lion, an actual physical lion to practice. I'll tell you what I would really love to do just in general, and I've talked to Sheila about this. I, I don't think we're going to be able to do it, but I would love to literally just have a pet lion. Yes. Just, just a legit <laughs> pet lion on a chain, a big-ass chain, and he just he really is my pet. We just walk <laughs> around the building. We go out to practice. We're in seven-on-seven. Seven. We're behind the kicker when he's kicking. We're just <laughs> – there we are you know on the sidelines. Yeah, yeah. You should. You know what you should do is you should get you should get two of them and put them on each sideline and just teach the guys not to go out of bounds. Don't try to be. Don't don't avoid contact. I don't think so. I don't. Knew, though we would take great care of it. It would be fed well. It would be petted. It would be manicured. I might end up losing an arm because of it, but that would be even better. You know, because it would validate what this is a freaking. This is a creature now. This is an animal. This thing is, this is from the wild. Would, yes. would you give up an arm just to motivate your team? Ooh. Possibly. For a Super Bowl. If I said, uh, Dan Campbell, you are going to win a Super Bowl in Detroit. Yes. yes. There it is. That's One so, arm. Yes. That Your move, yes. Mike Vrabel. <laughs> Don't you love this? That's fantastic. Can't you just see Dan Campbell walking around Detroit with a pet lion on a big chain? 
it would be fabulous. What I take out of that is that he would be willing to give up an arm and or a leg to win a Super Bowl. And that's the type of dedication you want from your head coach, especially in a place like Detroit. Michelle, he talked about wanting his team to reflect the identity of Detroit. You realize that there's only one city in America more dangerous than St. Louis, Missouri, right? That's Detroit. It is Detroit, Michigan. So what his team should reflect is danger. And it sounds like biting kneecaps and having a live lion on the sidelines, pretty dangerous. In this day and age, in a COVID era, is biting a kneecap something that should be happening? Isn't it kind of physically dangerous for the biter? Does it depend on if you're vaccinated or not? Probably does. Yeah, (laughs) I would think so. If you asked a head coach, a new head coach that came to town in a place that had suffered like Detroit, Lions fans have been through it. Mm -hmm. When's the last time the Lions were really good? 1990s. They they went. They won a playoff game. I think in the 90s. They've won one playoff game. The Lions have one playoff game since 1957. Unbelievable. Even during the Matthew Stafford era, there were moments, but generally bleak. Megatron left early. We all know what happened to Barry Sanders mm-hmm. leaving early. Any time that Lions fans have had something good, it gets taken away. It's been. They are the real factory of sadness. They are. If you're yeah. a Detroit Lions fan, you know that that's the real factory of sadness if you have a new head coach that comes in there and you ask him would you give up an arm for a super bowl and he says no get him out of town yep get him out and this guy not only wants to give up an arm but he wants to have a pet lion walking around the facility and on the field behind the kicker that's pretty cool I don't know if you caught that in that sound bite there. He actually asked the owner about it. He actually yeah. even brought it yeah. up to the owner already. He's serious. <laughs> and I think the Lions could really use a dynamic personality like Dan Campbell. Mm-hmm. And I think he might be our favorite new head coach. No, our favorite head coach is Brian Flores. But, oh, well, new head coach. New head coach. Outside okay. of our head coach, of okay. course. Okay, that's good. I'm with you on that. He's not going to give you the Belichick run on to Cincinnati. He's not going to give you that. No, he sounds like he's a pretty fun guy. I want to hear him after a win, not after a loss. I want to hear him oh, hyped yeah. up after a yeah. big win in his postgame presser. By the way, and maybe the folks on the text line can help out here, 65780, if you do feed a lion well, if you feed a lion cat food, like lots of cat food, is that feeding it well or does a lion want steak? The lion want being the king of the jungle as it is, hmm. does it want beef or does it want fish? Like cat food, tuna, whatever. I don't know. You think we would know this? I know different animals, but also big cats that we would know this after watching Tiger King. Didn't they feed them old meat from the back of, they got Mm -hmm. it from dumpsters? So I think, and they survived, right? Okay. Not that that we want to feed the lion or the tiger. That we want them to have filet. We want them to have the best meat possible. But I think any sort of raw meat will do. I'm I don't sure. know. Let us know. Yeah, uh, I'm sure we have a friend from the zoo that's listening in 65780. Emily appears to have an answer here. What do you got? I think on Tiger King, didn't they get like expired meat from Walmart? When that yeah, that's was? what I was just talking yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. That's, that doesn't, that's not cool. That's not fed well. Dan Campbell is going to take far better care of his lion than Joe Exotic did the tigers. Right. Yeah. I believe they also used it on their pizza. Ew. Yeah. From the 618, I think the lion wants bears, cheese, and Vikings. Ooh, mm-hmm. good answer. Yeah. We should send that one to Dan Campbell.
to use an oppressor. That would play well in Detroit. Absolutely. You're killing me, Small. Randy, did you know that the Super Bowl is going to be in L.A. this year? It is. Yes, it is. It's going to be at the house that Stan built. And even though we don't care about that, I thought that this was interesting. So Snoop Dogg wants to play the halftime show. He wants it to be a collection of hip-hop artists from L.A. He said that hopefully the NFL will be smart and make the right decision. It's in Inglewood, California, and it would make the most sense in the world. I'm available. Dre's available. Eminem's available. Kendrick Lamar, 50 Cent. Whoever Dr. Dre wants to pull out of his hat to make this thing a professional event event and make it big and the best effort they can have, it's just a matter of the NFL pulling the trigger. Doesn't that seem like a no-brainer? Okay, first thing. I thought Eminem was from Michigan. He's from Detroit, yes. But he's part of the aftermath Dr. Dre okay. Snoop Dogg family. It does make sense. Is Dr. Dre putting this together or is Jay-Z? It would be Dr. Dre. Because Jay-Z's the NFL guy, right? He's on the board, right? On some yeah. sort of committee. But I would imagine that he would understand that it's an it's in Inglewood, California. So mm-hmm. you need to have Dre and Snoop there. Kendrick, of course. Yeah. Okay, that's a play. I'm on board with that. I think it's smart. I think they would put on a great show. Yeah, they would. There's a lot of talent in Southern California they can find, though. It has to be better than The weekend. No offense, weekend. Yeah. They already used Katy Perry. She's California. That was... Is she from California? I know yeah. she has the song, but yeah, I don't know from, if she... She's from SoCal. Is she? Yep. Her cat's name is Kitty Purry. Actually, her name is Kate Hudson. Did you know that? <laughs> her name is Kate and, Hudson. Yeah, and uh, so I think her Perry is her mom's maiden name. Oh. But since there was already a Kate Hudson... She switched to Katy Perry. You're right. She's from Santa Barbara. There you go. Kitty Perry. Excellent name. Kitty Perry. Kitty Perry. Yeah. Yes. Excellent it's name. cat name. But who else? Now that Dr. Dre has put this out there, it feels like Roger Goodell is going to have to at least pay attention to this. Balls in your court, Roger. I like it. I like it, too. You're killing me, Smalls. And finally, Brian Hoyer, Randy, back in Foxborough for the 2021 season. The Patriots are bringing the 35-year-old quarterback back. He's on a one-year deal. So this means that Mac Jones, Cam Newton, Jarrett Stidham, and Brian Hoyer all going to be in Foxborough. That's wonderful. What a quarterback's room. As as Dan would say, that's adorable. I wonder if this is his fourth or fifth stint with the Patriots. Well, he was Tom Brady's backup from 2009 to 2011. Mm-hmm. He went back during the 2017 season. He remained with them through the 2018 championship run. And he returned to the Pats in 2020. So I guess this is fourth. Fourth. I fourth. like it. Yeah. Good. So maybe you can set some sort of record. That's the guy that... Belichick clearly loves. Well, he was very tight with Tom Brady, too. Uh And Tom Brady always talked about how he was a great leader and a great mentor. And I wonder if they're thinking Brian Hoyer could provide that to Mac Jones. There you go. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Brian Hoyer back in the league at the age of 35. Uh, You know what we should do, Michelle, before we get to Ned Coletti? And he's going to call us in just a moment. We need to come up with a word for people to text in so that they can give us a dad joke and win tickets. Cardinals are giving away a visor tonight. Okay. How about visor? Visor's a great word. 65780. Text the word visor in. And you might have a chance to win Cardinal tickets. Ned Coletti, former Dodgers GM, next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. I'm 
Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us. And always great to go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line when a former Dodgers general manager and pre- and post-game host, our old friend Ned Coletti, joins us in St. Louis on 101 ESPN on the heels of the Dodgers signing Albert Pujols. We wanted to get Ned on the show, and we always like talking to you, sir. How are you doing? Hey, Randy. Good to talk to you, pal. Hey, uh, let's start with this. What did you think when when you saw the word on Saturday that the Dodgers were going to sign Albert Pools? What's your impression? Well, I can tell you we were doing a, a post-game show or a pre-game show the day that he was um, designated for assignment. And um, I had Nomar Garciaparra on with me and our host John Hartung, and we all looked at each other and said, Dodgers should sign this player. So... We were, we thought it as soon as it became public that he became a free agent, that this would be a a player that could help this club. So right from the get go, we were excited about it. And then uh, we're not saying they listened to us, but when we heard that they were going to do it, we thought, you know what, that's a good move right there. Ned, there's been a lot of discussion about playing time with Albert Pujols. The Angels seem to indicate that he wanted to play every day. He said in his presser yesterday that that's not the case. But realistically, how much do you think he will play with the Dodgers? Well, I think that um, right now he may play a little bit more than he may play later. I think uh, it kind of came not that there's a perfect time for things like this, but Max Muncy can play second base. Gavin Luck can play shortstop. And the other day, Corey Seager, the everyday shortstop, broke a bone in his hand. So everybody moved over one spot to the to the right and opened up first base. So he may play a little bit more often right now as far as in the field goes, depending on pitching a little bit and also other choices that they have. They also have Chris Taylor, who's a little bit finicky right now health-wise. I think he's going to play periodically in the field and be a, a bat off the bench all the time and certainly be a bat in, in the American League cities that they still have to travel to for the DH. I also think it's easier for a player of his caliber and his status to to take perhaps a lesser role on a different club than on the club he signed $240 million deal for. Ned, when you said that the the Dodgers should sign him after he was DFA'd by the Angels. What was your thought process then? Why did you think that he would be a good sign for the Dodgers? Well, I think there's a handful of reasons. First, just in general, whenever I was building a team, if I could improve one spot, even a little bit, I would do it. That's how you get better. You can't, you can't really, it's very difficult to get a lot better once the season's underway without really paying a lot, paying a dollar and a half for a dollar, so to speak. So that's just a philosophy that that I've always carried. I think whenever you add somebody that has Hall of Fame caliber play, obviously that's that's his record. That's look at where he's at and all the rankings after repeated to you. You guys know where where he's at. I think that helps. I think when you have a team that's got some young players on it, I think that helps. Years ago, I was still with San Francisco. We brought in Andres Galarraga, somebody you're very familiar with. Mm-hmm. Okay, when he walked in the room, everybody knew who he was. Kind of gave the room a little bit of a jolt. Okay, years later in uh, in LA, I, I brought in Garrett Anderson and Bobby Abreu, a couple other players. That hey, when they walked in the room, everybody knew you're talking professional hitter right here. 
Then the last couple of years, you got Chase Utley and David Freeze, somebody else you're real familiar with. All those types of players add to the character of the room, and they make everybody better, and they also make the other team do one more report, have one more thing they're going to have to figure out, one more thing they're going to have to get through. The Dodgers have struggled against left-handed pitching this year. They did a couple years ago as well. So that he can do some damage against left-handed pitching is another benefit to it. I saw really, uh, and we talked about paying a, a portion of the minimum salary at this stage. You're talking about uh, a payroll well over $200 million, and you're going to talk about a $400,000 investment. Mm-hmm. You know, who's not going to do that? Right. And I think that there's so many reasons to do it. I can't think of any reason not to do it. And if there is, I'll say one more thing. If there, if there is any, you know, if people were going to speculate, well, you know, he wasn't good in the clubhouse or he had a falling out with Anaheim, you know how people talk about all that stuff all the time. I'm not saying that's true. I have no idea. I wasn't there. But a player of great stature, if there was any edge in that room, any at all, the player will not go someplace else 99 out of 100 times and and have edge again because they can't have that on their historic record. Mm-hmm. This is a chance for any player. Again, I don't know anything about that with Albert. I'm not saying he did or he didn't. That's not the point. The point is that when players leave a place and if there's any kind of, of, uh, of a looming cloud to why they left or this or that, they rarely, rarely ever have that situation repeated again. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, again, I don't. He was phenomenal at the press conference yesterday, and I've had a lot of respect for him for all those years. I mean, he's a National League player. I've been in the league ever since he came up, and so I, I know who he is, and I know the damage he can do. Emmy Award winner Ned Coletti, he is with the Dodgers pre- and post-game show, former Dodgers GM. And, Ned, when you mention the situation, you remember, and I remember, when the Cardinals brought in Cedeno in 85 or Will Clark in 2000. A lot of times a veteran player, that light burns brightest before it goes out, but they're really energized by the chance to win again. That possibility probably wasn't going to be there with the Angels. I have to be, believe that's another part of this, that Albert sees the chance to get one more ring. There's no doubt. I think you, and you hit it right, you hit it perfectly Randy. It's it's so true and and players that have had these long historic careers, when, when they don't have a chance to win and yeah, Anaheim may get hot and win, who knows but you know, they haven't shown shown that. They haven't pitched well enough to do that. When you continually go to a ballpark, okay, and you see father, you know, father time slipping away, the sand through the hourglass, whatever visual you want to add to it, you know, that doesn't motivate much. That and now suddenly you're going to the defending World Series champion. You're going right up the road, 25 miles. You're going to a team that is loaded with talent, and and that makes a totally different approach to to your day. There's nothing like the baseball season and not taking nothing away from hockey or football or basketball or soccer or any other sport. But the baseball season is an everyday game. And a day off once in a while here and there, but it's really an everyday game. And so when things are good, they are magnified. When things are slow or the team is mediocre, it's magnified. There are very few that I haven't, fortunately, I haven't been with a, a bad team for about 25 years. You know, it's 
there's nothing longer than a baseball season where you're not going to win and you know it. And, uh, you know, he, he knows that too. So he is going to be excited about this. He's excited last night, dugout shots they showed, mm-hmm. different things. You know, he's he's happy. Ned, when we talk about Albert Pujols, we talk about the chance that he could win another World Series with the Dodgers. But also in that conversation, we talk about the individual success and the quest for 700 home runs. It's such an exclusive club. He's sitting at 667 right now. Do you think 700 is attainable? Well, I don't know. I think um, I'd have to watch. I've watched him play a little bit, but again, I watch him play not the way I will watch him play now. And you know, that's, that's still a pretty decent ways away. Um, but you know, I never count a champion out. I never count somebody that has had the, the career that they have had to be able to sustain it for longer than anybody would suspect. First of all, they've had careers. And even as much as the people of St. Louis love this guy, but we probably didn't see this pipe part of a career. You know, I think he's second in RBIs to Hank Aaron. You know, he's on the top. He's in the top five in about six or seven categories. Top five, not top five St. Louis, top five National League, top five Anaheim, top five all time. So, you know, anything's possible. With greatness, anything is possible. But, and he's not going to play every day. So, you know, when he may have a little bit more energy left from time to time, too. So I wouldn't count it out. Hey, Ned, one last thing for me, and that's in regards to the ball club, which has had its struggles sitting in third place. But if there's one team in baseball that's capable of going on that run of 33-7, and 35-5 because of their pitching, it's the Dodgers. Do you expect them to have that run here? Maybe once your guys are back like Bellinger and, and Seager and Pollock? Well, I, mean, I, think, I don't think there's a team as good as they are. And I, I think they remain very hungry, very focused. They, they won the World Series last year, but let's face it, no parade, no celebration. You know, I've been in St. Louis for the, the, the night of and the morning after, you know, Cardinal World Series wins and our championships. And, you know, you, you know what it is. And you know how, to, how the city reacts for a whole winter long and how people react. And, and really the, the extended joy, the, the pure joy you get from, a, from an athletic standpoint. And they didn't have that, you know, with everything that was going on pandemic wise. And they, they just, they missed that. And they love to win and they love to play. I don't know who's going to beat them. I know San Fran's got a little lead. San Diego's a good team. They've got their own injury issues and COVID issues. But this team, I think by the time this thing finishes off at the end of September, they'll have themselves a nice lead and another shot. Hey, it's always great to hear your voice, and we really appreciate you getting up early in L.A. to talk to us about Albert and the Dodgers. Ned, thanks so much, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right, Randy. All the best always. Good to hear your voice, too. Thank you, my man. Take care. That is uh, the great Ned Coletti joining us on 101 ESPN. Former Cubs PR man made his way up to assistant GM with the Giants and helped build some great Giants clubs, moved on to the Dodgers, and obviously had great success as the Dodgers GM, too. When he was talking about Albert and how he's a champion and you never count a champion out, I'm with him. And I hope that he gets to 700. I really do. How special would that be for Albert to join that exclusive club? That would be amazing. And I hope that he doesn't have to bounce around to do it. Because I do think that 
that would diminish the number if he's just hanging around to get to that number. So hopefully if he does it, it's in L.A. or he comes back here. It's someplace where it's not happening in Miami. And he goes there just to hit three home runs to get to number 700. Colorado, Baltimore. Right. Something like that. Right. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. By the way, we're going to air the NBA Eastern Conference play-in games tonight. 5.30, you've got the Hornets and the Pacers. And then at 8 o'clock tonight, you've got Bradley Beal and the Wizards against Jason Tatum and the Celtics. So it's... St. Louis night in the NBA tonight. Is is Bradley back, by the way? He was hurt. I don't know if he's healthy for tonight's game. I hope he is. We know Jason Tatum is healthy. But either way, we're going to have the games for you here starting at 530 on 101 ESPN. Next up, though, we're giving away Cardinal tickets. Carriker and Smallman, 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Thank you for helping us sell out the Bud Bash tomorrow night with the Ken Reitz bobblehead available. Well, not anymore, except for one person. There are four tickets left, and Mary has the shot because Mary texted in the word visor to 65780. And now if Mary can come away with a dad joke that just makes us chuckle a little bit, Mary will be on her way to the Cardinals game tomorrow night against the Pirates. She's with us on 101 ESPN. Mary, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for texting in. And the question now is, do you have a dad joke for Randy and Michelle? I do. Okay, what do we got? Okay, why did the football coach go to the bank? Why? Why? To get his quarterback. Oh, Mary, that's very good. That, 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 <laughs> works, that works for us. Excellent, Mary. Fantastic. All right, we've got uh, four tickets for tomorrow night's game. Enjoy the cards and the pirates. Enjoy your bobblehead. And thanks so much for listening, and thanks for playing with us this morning. Thank you. All right, Mary, take care. Mary with us, and that is so cool that the Bud Bash has sold out for tomorrow night, and that means that a lot of people are going to get Ken Reitz bobbleheads, and it also means that a lot of money for the Ken Reitz Foundation, which is very cool. Emily, I know that you had talked earlier about Ken's son texting in, right? Yeah, I just wanted to read this. Uh, We got a text that says, this is Brett Reitz, Ken's son. Thank you, thank you, thank you for mentioning the foundation. It's a great cause that 100% of donations go towards addiction recovery scholarships. KenReedsFoundation.com. Gold tourney in the works for October. You two are the best. Thank you very much. Awesome. And, oh, by the way, we'll be giving away Cardinals-Cubs tickets tomorrow. So you better listen from 7 to 10. Cards and Pirates tonight. Dan McLaughlin will have the call on Bally Sports. And Dan is with us now getting ready for the Danny Mac show with... uh, By the way, I know Brett very well. Great guy. Awesome. And we're glad Superb that guy. he's listening. And yep. uh, we, we're glad that the foundation is doing well and that the Cardinals are partnering with yeah. the foundation. It's, yes. it's a very worthy cause. Very worthy. Dan, I, I said to 
Michelle earlier. This is sports talk radio stuff, all right? I said I'll be disappointed if the Cardinals don't go 4-1 and one in these five against the Pirates and the Cubs. I haven't seen what the Cubs are going to be throwing. I'm not sure I'm really necessarily concerned about that. We do see Hendricks and Davies. And so then that Hendricks is the only one that concerns yeah. me, even though he has up, ups and downs with other teams. It's, he's Cy Young against the Cardinals. But I'm with you. It's the Pirates in town, and... You know, you get you get a day break after the West Coast trip. You have another day off on Thursday, so you get a chance to kind of catch your breath. And you're back home where the team has played fairly well. So I'm looking forward to tonight. I, I'm assuming that the rain is going to stay away. Is that correct? I hope so. I, I haven't so. checked the Doppler lately. I let's need to look let's it up. hope so. Uh, according to my phone here, it yeah. should clear up around 5 p.m. Perfect. We'll get it in. So come on down to the ballpark. Let's play two. <laughs> Well, we are going to play a two-game series, Randy, oh, but just true. not in the we same are. day. Right? It's one of those uh, weird two-game series that starts uh, tonight. You play on Wednesday, off day Thursday, and then the Cubs. I, I don't know about you guys. I've been saying this on the air. Um, in all the oddities and different things that watching, it's so weird seeing the highlights from last year with the cardboard cutouts. Uh-huh. And I, I remember saying this last year. We're going to look back in this and. 25, 30 years, there's kids that aren't around now that are going to look back and they're going to say, hey, remember when pool holes hit number blah, 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 and they show these cardboard, and they're like, what in the, <laughs> what is going on here? But anyway, one of the oddities of last year, the Cubs never came to St. Louis. Yeah. Now think about that. They so never weird. came to St. Louis. So we Brian was never bored. Yeah. So we, right. we haven't seen, um, we haven't seen the Cubs since the final uh, game of regular season game of 2019. Joe I think Madden's was last game. Joe Madden's last game. Um, I think Ben Zobris took uh, took the mound that game on a Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Struck out Yachty, I think, mm-hmm. if memory serves correct. I remember Carpenter hit a home run. Fowler hit a home run. That's the last time we've seen the Cardinals and Cubs in St. Louis. So get those tickets and come on down. And we, we're going to be opened up to close to what 28, 30,000 people. I'm really interested tonight. Because they opened up more tickets for the games in against Pittsburgh too, of um, of just what it feels like, what it sounds like, what it looks like, you know, how many people are going to be there. We just don't know. Are there reservations of people to come and get tickets? Are people saying the hell with it? I'm coming. I can't wait. They've mm-hmm. opened it up. I'm there. So I'm really interested in the next few weeks at home. Just how we continue to have an influx of people that come through the ballpark. I, I'm with you. It's going to be interesting to see how people react to that. Randy and I were talking about that off air. But I think the fact that the Cubs are coming to town and it's a weekend series, if people did have reservations, I think that they might push those aside because that's always, other than the home opener, one of the first things we circle on the calendar is when the Cubs come to town. The other thing, too, is we have to remember people's buying habits, whether you're nervous about going down to the ballpark or not, but the buying habits have changed and I think a lot of industries are finding that out, including the sports industry. So, for instance, to your point, Michelle, hotels, if you go online right now, and usually with a Cubs-Cardinals series, we get a ton of people from Chicago or a ton of people from the outlying areas that will come in and, and want to see this series. The hotel, uh, in terms of the rates, the rooms are way low. This is as low as you're going to see it probably because – you know, there was only supposed to be X amount of people. So they felt, all right, those tickets aren't going mm-hmm. to be available and the hotels were not getting filled. Now um, the rates are really low because they're anticipating that, okay, we're going to have a lot of people making those last second decisions to come to the ballpark and, you know, we'll, we'll see how how full it gets this weekend. 
I'm excited about it. I'm excited about Nolan Arenado having a chance to see 30,000, and then as it grows no. to 35, 40, 45,000. That dude is, he's, I've said it a million times now, he's worth the price of admission. Yeah. He's better than I thought he was. I knew he was good. I was texting with John Mosellock. I said, I knew this guy was good. Not that good. And he goes, you knew he was that good. And I said, not this good. He is incredible. Three home runs in three games in San Diego. That's not an easy place to hit home runs. And he's hitting 300. He's playing good defense. You know, he's he's intense. I think he's changed the mindset. I just, and I wish I could visit with players and talk about this. You, you don't get that opportunity to do it. But I just think he's changed the intensity of the team. Agreed. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I just There's just a different look and a different feel with him. I also think that this time off is good for Tommy Edmond. Mm-hmm. I think he needed a little break. Um, so that's going to help out. Dylan Carlson, his power is not there. Have you noticed that? Yeah. He's got three home runs. Now he's hitting well. Didn't have a great road trip, but I think maybe a little break for him. See how they come out tonight. And it just has changed the complexity of the lineup getting back to the top. It's not just getting to Goldie. Now right. you got a four or five game uh, guy stretch that makes a difference one through five. Absolutely. Yeah. Be tuned in tonight, but we'll be tuned in now. What do you got coming up? Zach Duke, former Cardinal reliever, yeah. also with the Pirates. A long major league career. So looking forward to a really good guy. Looking forward to visiting with him. His injury prompted the Cardinals signing of Brett Cecil. So Zach Duke is coming. coming up, yeah, we can show. blame him. Nah, don't blame him. Just <laughs> I, say that. Hey, you know what? You go back to the signing of Brett Cecil. It made, it made sense. sense. It made. Yeah. It, it just didn't work. No. It it, it, it made sense. He was the, He was a very good left time in the marketplace. Yeah. It just didn't work. Yeah, he's a cardinal left-handed reliever that came here as a free agent. It it was bound to happen. Just didn't work. Yep. Yeah. All right, we'll be tuned in. Okay, thanks. Uh, Great job today by our producer and engineer, Emily Butcher. Thank you. Thank you. Michelle, this was fun. We'll do it again tomorrow. It was. See you tomorrow. You want to give away more tickets tomorrow? Let's do it. We will for the Cards and the Cubs. For all of us, thanks for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise.